Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. That time of the week again, the Rugby League rant, fifth and last. Put on your headgear, chuck in your mouth guard and get ready for an hour of nothing but NRL tour. And we are back for another episode of the fifth and last NRL podcast, three rounds into the NRL season. And a lot of people wondering last week when a few teams would get their first win, three teams, I think it was, got their first win after being winless last week. And Brock, unfortunately, only one team remains winless, and that is the Titans. Yep, they suck. So not a great start to the 2019 season for them. Uh, the Tigers come crashing back to reality. Against the Bulldogs, St. George fired up, up against Brisbane. Big result for them uh, up in Queensland there. And uh, prototypically, I guess, the few sides that a lot of people thought would be doing well in the Roosters, Souths and the Storm just continue to roll on. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, so it's it's looking a little bit predictable, I guess. You know, you've got same old, same old in Melbourne up the top and Titans down the bottom. Bulldogs are struggling, but that middle section of the table is looking as unpredictable as ever. So, you know, the Roosters and Souths are up there again. So we're seeing some things that we expected, but others that are giving us a few surprises. 100%. Jumping into our set of six, as we do every week, six topics, thoughts, questions, statements, whatever we have on our mind. First tackle, St. George, massive win, good result after all the drama around the spine, Gareth Woodock leaving and how to solve that situation and fitting those five players in. And it's kind of just taking care of itself on the weekend. I guess, good and bad for the fact that they had such a good player on their books and, you know, some spying players there and the possibility to reshuffle. But if anything, it's just taken it out of their hands to have to squeeze everyone in now. They're going to use the spine well, right. that they're going to have moving forward. So yeah. I heard Let's arguments. Yeah, I've heard arguments to and for it. I could see on the weekend when Norman went into 5 oh, sorry, Norman went to fullback. He was much more effective than, say, what Widop was in the front line. But when Lomax came on and they continued on for the rest of the game with Norman and Hunt, in the halves and a stable fullback, uh, things look fine. So I guess this week, uh, is it a massive loss? 100% goal kicker, quality kicker, good player, but the first two weeks he wasn't that great. I didn't think he had a huge effect on the game yeah. uh, on the weekend. He wasn't bad, mind you, Gareth Widdop, but this kind of just solves the whole situation, I guess. So now they're forced into going with the spine moving forward. Yeah, exactly right. Um, it's, it's, I guess, alleviated a headache for Paul McGregor in, in a way. Yeah, somewhat. I, I guess, again, if they get another injury, it's it's not a bad thing not to have him available because he's a very quality player. Um, but you know, I don't know really what to say about this one. I, I, I think something needed to be done. Is it kind of weird the way it all worked out that it happened this week in particular and they get a good win and they started to look somewhat okay when they made that reshuffle and Dufty wasn't playing in the side? I don't know. But I think the bigger thing that was more effective and everyone kept pointing to the spine was their forward pack, I thought, maintained the rage for the whole game. I thought the new way that... McGregor used his interchanges to have Vaughan on for a bit longer. He was playing like a 20, coming off for 10, then playing the last 10 of the half, playing the first 10, coming off, and then playing the last 20. He got more out of him. 
Graham is more effective. Corbin Sims coming off the bench brought that middle that they were missing. And then bring back this week, they've got uh, Tyson Rizzo named in the extended squad. So if he's to come back in this week and help out as well, I thought Host had his best game probably in first grade. All that stuff adds up, and Blake Laurie was much better. Yeah. So I, I thought their, for, their forward pack in particular beat the Brisbane Broncos forward pack, which helps the spine out. As we said last week, when a lot of people were complaining about the spine and the edge defense, which all have direct effects from not winning the middle of the field. Um, but Gareth Widock, guess uh, you know, tough luck for him and our best wishes for him moving forward. But another shoulder reconstruction, same shoulder, and that's probably the end of his NRL career, heading back over to Super League next You'd year. You'd think so, yeah, it looks that way. But uh, number two, tackle two, one you sent through, Ponga back to one. Looking at this situation, we said at the start that we agreed this was his best spot. He almost wins the Dalian medal there last year. He's so young. He's got so much left in his legs. He's not like these other guys that have transitioned. He's not 27, 28, you know, seven, eight years into their career where it gets harder to rack up those kilometers and you can somewhat go to an edge and be as effective. If anything, I think it's blunted their attack. I think they've forced the football to him way too much. But at the same time, again, looking at their forward pack, I don't think he's been as effective at six because not only has he parked on an edge, but at the same time, I don't think they've had to go forward to kind of get him extra space to play off the front foot. Yeah, that's fair. Um, at the back, we saw it last year. He gets the ability to pop up on either side of the field. He's really effective on those sweep lines. He can isolate players. He, I think he's just much better from the back end. Kick returning, I can understand the argument for defending in the front line or getting hit on kick return, but why Connor Watson is effective on kick returns, I think he's more a physical straight line runner and just eating up the ground. I still think Ponga has that ability to make somebody miss, break up a defensive line and be as effective and even more so effective in the ball-playing side of things. Yeah, it's a no-brainer. Look, I think the results have, have sort of tied Brownie's hands in doing it um, and, you know, being one and two and they look pretty clunky on Friday night against the Raiders. So, uh, it, to me, it's his position. Fullback's his position. I don't know whether Caelan Ponga went to Nathan Brown and said, I want to play one or whether... Brown went to Ponger and said, I want to play play one. I'm oh, sorry, play six. I'm not too sure how that situation unfolded. But, you know, if it was that Kalen went to Nathan Brown and, and said it, it's it's one of those ones where you just don't want to give players of that ilk, I guess, that sort of power over where they play. Like, it's got to be always what's best for the team, not trying to keep... Um, your elite players happy, or at least it's got to be a balance. Yeah, I think that's the hard thing for him where it's somewhat you want to keep Callum Ponga interested because he's talked about the All Blacks and they've got him for a couple more years and he's played Origin in his first season and you don't want him to go. But at the same time, Brown's... What's best for the team? Brown's, Brown's also that side of things, but Brown's also on like a you know KPI contract where he's got targets to make and he's got to get results. Yeah. So for him, he's got to look at exactly what you said, what's best for the whole football team and us winning It should games. always be that. It, it should always be that. Yeah. In, in my mind, as a coach, you should always be looking at, okay, what's best for the team? It shouldn't be to alleviate oh, 100%. potential problems with contracts and, and yeah. that sort of business. I, I think you get yourself into a really, really dangerous situation if you start to, to bow to player power. Um, so, yeah, it's it's an interesting one, but I think this move is the, is the right one for Newcastle, uh, and I think you'll see an improved performance from them this weekend because of it. Yeah, and I think also on what you were saying, just that they have the players there to put into the spine, but the best makeup of the spine to me still had Callum Ponga playing one. No doubt. Like, like, and Watson no doubt. and Leno are both capable, but your best no doubt. 17, as you are saying to me, has Mitchell Pearce at seven, Callum Ponga at one, and then you just put a steady runner next to Pearce because he can play both sides and can control the team. Whether that ends up being Connor Watson or they throw him into the nine rotation if they're not happy there, whether that is Mason Leno, who showed that he's a capable player when he was at the New Zealand Warriors with a running game and not a bad short kicking game. 
I don't know what that is, but that that to me at the start of the year when you're putting your 17 up on the board as a coach with the two easiest spots for me to fill in when I'm writing down my team straight away are the one and a half back. Yeah. So I think he's back in his right position. Tackle three, another one uh, that you sent through to me today. The whole situation or the stories coming out the last few days about Gus Gould apparently having a handshake deal done with Wayne Bennett and then the flip side of that was the board at Penrith and Dave O'Neill apparently having things done with Ivan Cleary and everything kind of falling apart there. Well, I was uh, – I got some mail last year that, you know, Wayne Bennett was as good as a done deal at Penrith. And now it it makes perfect sense, doesn't it? Because it's it's been said that Gus had done the deal with Wayne Bennett. It was a, it was a done deal. Um, he was all but signed. Um, and then Gus has obviously got win that Dave O'Neill's gone and signed um, Ivan Cleary. Uh, so, I, look, I don't think it's uh, anything major. I think still Gus is going to have a major influence at the Panthers, but it does, I guess, show us that is he losing a little bit of his power? He definitely had to um, relieve some or relinquish some power when Ivan was going to come back. So I, it's, a, it's a really, really hard situation at the moment there for Phil Gould because he's having to deal with a lot of these off-field issues uh, he's had Ivan come back in. This has now gone public. It was Gus said, I'm pretty sure, last night, and I haven't watched 100% footy, but he apparently said on 100% footy that he never wanted this to go public. Mm. So how did it become public? It became public, I think, because someone from the Panthers... Wanted it to become public. Well, yeah, they... It's just... Well, it was always going to be an awkward situation, just like we said. from one drama to another with Penrith at the moment. Because I could understand at the time, and I well, I, I didn't understand why he had so much control. And I, I get the board... Gush, you're saying? Yeah, as far as coaching. and like as, as much as he makes it out like he didn't, clearly the board had faith in him to decide who was coaching, the football program, the salary cap. He's done a great job on a lot of things and helping out with the junior pathways and rebuilding the club. And you will never take any of that away from him. But I still feel that last few years, he probably meddled a little bit in the coaching side of things and the player... And squad makeup, which eventually led to he obviously had Ivan there, disagreed with Ivan, got rid of Ivan, got in Hook. He had a breaking out with him, and Hook said as much himself that he didn't like being told by somebody who hadn't coached in fifteen or so years and employed him to do that job, trying to tell him how to do his job basically. Yeah. And then we obviously know he threw his weight behind Serrato, which gave you the feeling again that he was trying to jockey to get someone in that position that again he had some influence or control over. So from the Penrith board perspective and Ivan Cleary the one they were chasing to come back to obviously help tie up Nathan as well we're probably sitting here thinking well we're not going to take your recommendation this time regardless of how much good you've done Mm. Ivan we think was doing a pretty good job before this probably secures Nathan is this the way forward results so far probably show you know three games I know a lot of people are already blowing their gasket about it which I think is ridiculous but it just creates again more divide I guess or more pressure within the club because you're hearing now and no surprise that Ivan has basically full control of the football department now and Gus has basically been frozen out. But after being... I don't think he's been frozen out. I think I, th- I think that's a it's a narrative that the media like to peddle. That there's absolutely no way that Ivan's got his head or his nose so far out of joint about what happened previously that he would not go to someone with the experience of Gus Gould and say, listen, what do you think about this? What do you think about that? I don't think Gus is now overseeing and has as much power over, over I don't Ivan. Think he does. But if people think that he's not going to him and having a conversation and they're working together, you're kidding yourself. 
course they're working together. Well, it doesn't seem that way, but I mm. think on the flip side of that, as we said, how do we know? Why would we you? Know. Why would you take the job as Ivan Cleary if the guy who fired you was going to be in control of what you were doing again? I think clearly he's not. This time around, the board has handed most of the control back to Ivan. Would never have taken the job Ivan Cleary, that was the way it and obviously yeah. Matt Cameron, and he got a long term deal. So uh, I'm not saying they're trying to freeze Gould out, but I think on the football department side of things and the coaching side of things, he's no longer going to have the say that he did. I don't know if that also involves salary cap, player retention, recruitment, but I'm sure most of that, again, will be going through the other channels. Um, as far as juniors, the way the club's run, all that kind of... He's done an outstanding job, like we said before. People complain about the five-year window, uh, but he's done so much good off the field financially for that club. Their centre of excellence, sponsorship. Uh, they'll, they'll never be able to repay what he's done, no. basically. But no. it, it's pretty sad the way things are ending up the last couple of years and everything leaking out and... All these kind of splits and what you're hearing, and hopefully it stops leaking. Plus all the tapes and the off-season drama. Tyron Phillips charged for drink driving again on the weekend. I know he's not really a big part of that top squad, but they, they just don't need any more stuff coming out of the club. They you're need right. silence. Mm. And the best way to do that would be this weekend. to win. He's beat the Tigers, the club that he left, and the club that they're basically paying a massive portion of money to, to have the coach they've got there now. Yeah, this, this, is, out, um, so. this is one win away from going away. It's While ever they're playing poorly, all this off-field stuff is going to be an issue. Yeah, I 100% agree with you there. Tackle four, uh, one that I brought up a couple of weeks ago, but I, I can't help but think like just injuries this early in the year. There's been some big injuries, and again on the weekend, it's got some sides like the Sharks who have had a couple of good performances in a row, lose Gallon, and Moylan goes out, and he could be anywhere from four to ten weeks, and he's been very influential linking up early doors with Sean Johnson started to sweep a little bit more to the left side of the field on the weekend as he has been mostly on the right Benji Marshall out now Braden Burns who a lot of people wouldn't have expected to be so influential the first year answer South Sydney he could be anywhere same deal from four to ten weeks with a hamstring Gareth Woodop's shoulder Isaac Luke is out again they've had issues trying to get someone to hooker Cody Walker's shoulder he may not play this week Joseph Tapine's already out Aiden Caesar missed the weekend may miss again and then for the Roosters Friend goes off for a second time in two weeks. Cronk misses two games in a row. Rhea Hargraves is under a bit of a cloud. And Tokiaho, who was close to me in the match just behind Tedesco, I think, almost didn't play before the warm-up. Mm. So it's been a real rough start to the year in that regard uh, as far as injuries and plays going off. And I don't know if it's the physicality of the game or the fact that fatigue's come back into it or just accident, as we know, happens in rugby league. But, mm. um, yeah, there's been a lot more injuries, I think, early doors than what we're used to. Absolutely, there has been. Yeah, it's... Is it concerning? I, I guess it is. It is concerning because you want your best players on the field consistently, um, but it's hard to it's hard to really know what's causing it. Um, we just wish all those players a speedy recovery and get back on the field soon, um, because the start of the year's been great. Yeah, hundred percent. I think the footy's been outstanding. And speaking of that, going into tackle five, we said it in the off season and talking about the Bulldogs. Kieran Foran, man of the match performance on the weekend, played through what looked like an ankle injury, picked up. 10 minutes before halftime is now going to be out again for three months. So Crazy. the torture doesn't end for Kieran Foran. He had obviously the stint where he got to para there and that was more off field and, and met some mental health issues, but he had hamstring problems, shoulder problems before then and, and multiple surgeries. And then he goes to the Warriors, checkered year there with hamstrings, sternum issues, all sorts of things. Last year, he was supposed to be as fit as he's ever been. Hamstrings, toe injury, season over. And again, this year, Gets onto the field, he's wearing a massive sternum guard. You look at him at times and think he's moving like an old man. Has a ripper of a game on the weekend and now he's out again for three months. So this this is a hard situation for Kieran Foran because, again, it wasn't his fault that he was given the contract that he was given this time around. But I think it's kind of sad to see him in this state after the way that he started his career and the play we know he can be. 
Mm-hmm. But I think the beatings and the injuries he's just took so early because of the way he plays the game is just caught up with him. Yeah. And the real question is, can he adapt and change? I don't, I don't think he can change from the way he plays his rugby league. And can he last? And I think for the Bulldogs, the Des has the contracts and some of the things he left behind just absolutely kill you. And this one in particular, I didn't look it up and I should have to Savo, but work obviously got in the way and, and timing and getting this done. But I'm pretty sure that it was a four-year deal and it started last year. So they've potentially got two more years of Kieran Foran on a million dollars or whatever he was signed to. That's crippling, especially if you can't get him on the field. Of course it is. And we already knew they had this situation, but... Uh, for the Bulldogs, I guess, outstanding response on the weekend. A, a multitude of changes with a lot of those young blokes they've brought in from different clubs and a bit more stability uh, stability around Dean Pay only getting uh, an extra year extension, which I think is well-deserved. Because again, like we said last week, who are you getting in? I don't know who would want to take that job. And he's not the one who saddled this side with the situation they've been given. But at the same time, a one-year deal still doesn't quite get them into the situation for him to put his own spin on this roster. So you've got to wonder, and I've heard obviously been a lot of talk in the media, that are they just warming the seat if something doesn't go right or things don't pan out? Mm. And the reason they've given him a one-year deal, and there's already been murmurs that they would potentially push for the registration of Shane Flanagan or go after somebody else in the future. So I, I guess for now there's a bit of stability for the Bulldogs, but there's also questions still moving forward. But Massive questions. Um, uh, I guess yeah. Dean Pay would be happy. Dean Pavey wrapped to get another year because it's just it gives him more time to prove himself. Um, mind you, Des Hasler got another year, didn't he? And he got the punt. So it's just a volatile place. I don't understand why you would sack Dean Pay. You've you employed him. You knew it was a shit fight when you employed him. Hmm. I'm a little, just a little bit sick of clubs sacking coaches. It's it's a cop out. Like you you know the mess that they're in. You hmm. know that Dean Pay has been able to sign no one. He inherited this roster. Yeah, this roster was playing poorly before he got there. I, I believe I believe the Bulldogs are playing better now than what they were under Des Hasler with similar players. Well, to be fair, with a worse roster. It is because worse they've roster. had to release Josh roster. Reynolds and they had to release the Moses and Bai, Clemmer, Woods. Cassiano. So I, I think Dean Pay's doing a fair job in a dis- difficult situation. Let him see out his term. And unless obviously he is mismanaging and he's just not up to it. Yeah. But that's not for me and you to decide that's because internal. we're not there yeah, watching him coach. So for me, play on Dean Payne and give him a fair crack. And I still said it in the off-season and people may disagree. I, I actually didn't mind the recruitment given the situation. Some of the deals they flipped and people are freaking out going, why are they getting rid of these big contracts? Because they are crippling. But that's right. to take, say, Corey Harawira-Naya, who's played for New Zealand on, 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 a, on an okay deal, to get a Suaso Sue who's still only 25 years old on a small deal to come in. You're building better depth around your top 30 with young kids that still have potential to be good NRL players to kind of patch things up for now. Hopefully find a couple of those that you want to be a part of that squad moving forward. And then when you free your salary cap up, you're not going to make those rash decisions before with back-ended deals where guys worth three, four 400000 are on six, 700 or give someone a back-ended deal where they're on two, 300 for a year and then suddenly jump onto a million. Mm. But it's going to require patience and it just has to be that way. So the one-year extension, I hope they keep playing the way they, the way they did on the weekend because that was the side that finished last year with a lot of effort, yeah. a lot of good young kids in that side and another debutant in Jade Nockenbore and Nick Meaney with his club debut there coming in on the weekend and doing a great job. Yeah, he was so, great. Yeah, and I've got one more tackle left, but I didn't really have anything written down oh, super. for tackle six. So is there anything else out of that round you can think of? Out of the round? Yeah, or just in general, anything from this week, anything moving forward, anything that kind of come out of it. I think I've got one off the top of my head now that I realise I didn't have one blank. The Roosters. 
and the resilience of that squad and the durability and the talent. We obviously all know and everyone blows up about the recruitment and the signing and all the bits and pieces. But week one, yeah, they got beaten. They made a lot of errors. They were quite poor. But the last two weeks, to win the two games that they have in the circumstances, I know they only played Manly, but to get five tries, missing your hooker and your halfback, who are both outstanding footballers, to lose players to multiple HIAs, to reshuffle things and hold on in those poor conditions. Yeah. And then come into this week again, no cronk, friend you lose early, Jared Ray Hargraves you lose early, Brett Morris is out. You've got Poasa Farmasuli, he's only played two or three games on the bench. Crichton off a shoulder reconstruction. Orbison, the ultimate Mr. Fix it. Latrell Mitchell playing at six, who's usually a centre. Um, to basically not use Lock and Lamb to the last minute and have one interchange for 40 minutes against a red-hot Parasite who have just completely changed uh, their whole outlook and attitude to 2019 and still find a way to win. Clearly, with players like Cleary, Tedesco, oh, sorry, Kiri, Tedesco, etc., it's no surprise because they are superstars. But under adversity, two weeks in a row, and in particular the week just gone, um, they're outstanding. Yeah. And again, said at the start of the year, they're a stronger side, if not better, and I still think there's younger players or depth there that people don't know about that we're going to see, and we are seeing some of it right now. Mm. Um, I was just super impressed, and that, that was probably my favourite game of the round, to be honest. I know a lot of people enjoyed Broncos-Dragons, but I thought the Eels-Roosters game was a ripper. Mm. That was a really good game of football. Yeah, And hopefully, again, on that note, ball in play, the speed of the games, there's a lot more ball movement, eyes up football is coming back in, there's a bit more ad-lib as opposed to structure and more fatigue. I just hope things continue along this fashion. There's no reason why they wouldn't. So yeah, very very happy. Unless with the, the referees get together and try and ruin the game. Well, we'll have to wait and see how that pans out. But uh, that is our set of six for this weekend. That is brought to you by the Penrith Solar Centre. Get onto the boys there and Jake and his crew. As we've said each and every week, and we'll continue to say, we've both got systems. Our old man's got one. I work in the industry. Privatisation has ramped up the bills. It's not getting any better. You even see the government now trying to throw that in their budget to uh, entice people a bit more in the upcoming election. But it, it's just a necessary evil. And privatisation, I, I honestly don't see it getting better anytime soon. The summer period just gone. We almost halved our bill and flogged the ducted aircon during the day. And it's absolutely sweltering here in the Golden West. So that was very, very nice for the back pocket. But if you want to know what's worse than seeing your team cop the wooden spoon this season, it's getting slapped with rising power bills that put you on edge more than an origin decider. Penrith Solar Centre are Western Sydney's solar specialists who are helping local families take control over their electricity bills. Let the sun work for you and your back pocket. Contact Penrith Solar Centre today on 1800 20 29 30 to discuss how you can become the real winner this season and help pay your power bills. www.penrithsolar.com.au Boxhead, game reviews. Let's rip through these bad boys. That first one, as you spoke about during the week, uh, I missed it, but I got to re-watch it, was the Dragons and the Broncos, 25-24. This was also a cracker game of football. Uh, the Dragons, strong response after all the adversity of the first few weeks. Questions over Mary, as usual. Questions over the halves, the spine, how you're shuffling, how you're fitting everything in. Uh, I thought the biggest thing early was just their forward pack. Their forward pack really stepped up. They gave it to the Broncos. They rolled up field. Cam McInnes was great. I think Vaughney and uh, James Graham host in his first kind of, uh, I think his best first grade game. Corbin Sims, Tarek Sims, they really took it personally this week against that forward pack and they got over the top of them. Yeah. The Broncos made far too many errors. Um, but yeah, they were adding twos. It really, really looked like the Dragons just wanted to win more. Even at the end of the game, I, um, 
I think it was Milford took a shot at field goal on play it three. Asako tried sorry, to Sorry, Asako. Yeah. Asako took a shot at field goal on play three, gave away a seven-tackle set with a minute to go. Like, Anthony Seabold must have just been throwing his walkie-talkie through the glass. Like, the amount of times that I just I thought, wow, that's yeah. a dumb play. Wow, that's a poor error. Wow, that's a lazy missed tackle. Wow, that's just poor concentration from the Broncos. And that's to take nothing away from the Dragons, but... You look at the Dragons, they had the you know, the issue with um Widop. I thought the two tries that Brisbane scored, um gifts. The first really. two were just yeah, gifts that went totally against the run of play. Mm. Uh, I thought the score line really, really flattered Brisbane. I thought the, the Dragons are great and they've got a little bit of a wood on uh Brisbane at the moment, don't they? Well Benny Hunt was outstanding. I think that was his best game to date this year, and again he's three and against his old side and Corey Norman against his old side. When he moved back to fullback, I think they looked a lot better with him there, but even when he came back into the front line and played at six and he, he iced the game. Those two together. It was a great field goal. Yeah, we're both outstanding. I think the right edge, they did similar to Melbourne and went after Anthony Milford in that left hand channel and they had a bit of a field day. Ewan Aitken, he talked it up a little bit during the week, but he backed it he up. He did back it he up. He played quite well. Uh, host, like I said, Corbin Sims. The penalties were, were stupid, but he was real fired up and played well against his old side. Uh, I think there's a lot of origin talk out there and blokes jockeying for positions. And again, I, I think that's another reason why Sims and Vaughan really stepped up the other night and took it because you're hearing about Lodge and Pengai and all these guys. And I, I, I've just got to throw it out there. I do like Pengai Jr., but the comparisons to him being a million-dollar player and people offering that in that market, I'd withdraw straight away. I'm out. I love Pangai Jr., but, oh, yeah, he took down Tamalolo the week before. Like, people just get way ahead of themselves. Like, Tamalolo is only two years older than Tavita Pangai Jr. Yeah. I played bloody under-20s against Tamalolo. When I was 20, he was 16. He played first grade that year or the year after. He's already played grade for eight years. It's taken him that long to get a million-dollar contract. And, yeah, it's a massive deal, but he's earned that deal, and he's been consistent for the whole time. Don't get me wrong about Tavita Pangai Jr., but how many full seasons has he played? How many Dalian medals has he won? How many team of the years has he made? How many origins? I know he's played for Tonga, etc. But like we just we really jumped the gun, I think, with pricing and like player talent. Like if someone wants to pay him a million dollars right now, go for gold. Yeah. Because again, week to week, he was very effective the other night with the ball. He made 192 meters. But even again, if as a middle, he doesn't play the minutes that Tamalolo does either. Mm. And he gave away two of the tries by rushing out at A twice, where he was over keen, which is all well and good. I love the intent. But he got beaten clean inside shoulder by Cam McInnes. And then on the line, he jumped out again when Corbin Sims went over. So for a 40, 45-minute, 50-minute player, depending on the flow of the game, playing in the middle at age 23, who also has a history of hamstring injuries and not being on the field, to be throwing out a million-dollar price tag and comparing to Tamalolo, I think there was a lot more evidence in a case built up for Tamalolo before he got a million-dollar deal. Yeah. And he's injured now, but prior to that, how consistent was he? So that's all I'm saying. People, yeah, people right. need to slow their roll. We said it last week on the back of that game. I love him. Back I do love up, him. Back it up week yeah. to week. But again, like build the years, the case, the age. Like They're only two years apart. But Tamalo has been doing it almost for a decade already. Yeah. And he's mid-20s. And he's been consistent as hell forever. Yeah. So all I'm saying is I get these pay packets and clubs are going to go for him. But like my top dollar right now in the market for Tavita Pengai Jr., if he was going to play in the middle, I, I don't know. What would you pay? I certainly wouldn't pay a million. No. Seven hundred, seven and eight. I still think is a lot of money. Again, and I get that, but people this week say straight away million dollar player. Like, uh, you need to calm down. Yeah, you really need to calm down. If he has an awesome season, is the locker of the year or backer of the year or whatever it is, or you know, make plays for or gets into Origin, is consistent week to week and does it. That's great. But still, again, like I say, comparing him to Tamalolo, that's one season, mm-hmm. one full consistent season as compared to a body of work that we've already seen for a guy um, at twenty five. So. 
yeah. And I think a lot of other guys there. Flegler, a lot of hype around him last week, a couple of clean drops. Osaka had a couple of clean drops. There was a lot of guys there. And I think this is just going to be the case for Seabold and being a former school teacher, something's going to have to work in with them. There's young blokes, there's going to be inconsistency. And yeah. there was certainly some inconsistency the other night by them and um, for the Dragons. Really good response after everything they've been copying. Back four were... Oh, sorry. Back three were good. Ravalawa obviously had that poor error, but a good finish. Pereira, ever consistent. Halves, just a lot of pressure relieved, I think. And if Frizzell comes back in this week, have him in there with Vaughan, both the Sims. Laurie looked like he stepped up and embraced the other night. Host, etc. It's just a much better situation this week. Mm-hmm. It really, really is. Brisbane, uh, I thought Milford was better in the second half, but again, one step forward, two steps back for those halves and the errors in general for that team and that forward pack. Uh, Corey Oates, very, very good as he always is, but similar to Davida Pangai Jr., why effective. He gave away two tries. Corey Oates made four errors. So back to the drawing board for another week. And a massive game this week against the Roosters. They've had a real hard start to the year. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Real hard start absolutely. to the year. Absolutely. They're going to be, uh, yeah, glad this month's over at the, at the end of this week. That's for sure. Yep. Raiders, Newcastle, uh, this was a bit of an arm wrestle. I thought that Canberra were a bit clunky themselves, but at the end of the day, they were a bit more steady. The control of Hodgson, most of the difference. Bateman was absolutely ridiculous. He's outstanding. His first few games in the NRL, he's just... He's angry as all hell. He refuses to lose. He's busy. He can play lock. He can play center. He can play back row. Six. It doesn't really matter. He's, he's missed a fix it. We saw him when he was in the Super League play a bunch of different positions. But number one, at the end of the day, he's just a competitor. Yeah. Um, excellent footballer. Sam Williams coming in for Caesar who was out. I thought he was steady as well. You always know what you're going to get when he's there. I also think from a vocal standpoint and a control standpoint, he's probably better than in that sense, than what Caesar is. Mm-hmm. Um, and they're back five. You obviously get those metres out of. Another debutant, Hudson Young. He didn't get a lot of minutes, but I thought he was effective. They found another good bench youngster in uh, Corey Horsberg, as we said at the start. You were worried about that bench rotation. And going from the heaviest pack to the lightest pack probably helped them this year with ball in play and the way the game is going. Yeah. Uh, not knowing how things were going to pan out this year, that was something we had some question marks over. But if anything, I think they've made that adjustment before we even had Annesley as a boss, when they let Paul on board go, it's kind of just worked out really, really well, the direction they've headed with their squad. Um, good result, 2-1. and one. The Melbourne game last week, they obviously much better in the second half. But for a Newcastle perspective, yeah, 53 missed tackles, I think, was the biggest issue. And again, from week one to week two, arm wrestle on both games right in there, very clunky through the spine. Everything relies off running off Pierce. They need more out of nine. Pong is not as effective in the front line, and I thought their forward pack was a little disappointing. Besides David Clemmer, yeah, and just, I'd agree with that yeah. absolutely. I, it was a game that Newcastle I thought could have easily won. Yeah. Canberra, they were okay in patches, but uh, Newcastle were just clunky. Uh, their offensive execution I thought was poor, uh, and Canberra I think they just executed more consistently across the eighty minutes. It was it's a game that you're going to get look at at the end of the year and go, well, that's that's a fifty fifty game that. You know, we could have easily won if the Newcastle uh, if the Newcastle Knights are ruining, missing out on a final spot. That's one of those games you go, man, that one hurt. Well, even the Penrith one last week. Well, there you go. You know, There's two in a row. It's two points. It's two in a row. So, yeah. And the other thing about it is they've had home games early and they have another one this week against the Dragons, which is big. If you don't win your home games, they're generally the ones that come back to bite you on the ass. Like, yeah. at the end of the year, if you're looking at the 12-12 split, I know last year 12 wins didn't get you in or 13 wins didn't get you in, it was 15. But if you're looking at that 12-13 mark, which has so commonly been eight spot or down, out of your your games, you'd want at least eight home wins and maybe four away. If you're going to be good somewhere, it needs to be at home. And they have a real advantage at Newcastle. Yeah. So this week, again, they don't want to go home 
uh, and lose that game and be one and two in Newcastle. Because later in the year, if they play a lot of games early, they're obviously going to have to get wins on the road. So, yeah, there's some changes, I think, that'll be made there. The Bureau thing on the bench and playing at nine, I like Jamie Bureau as a footballer, but surely they're past that point. Like, if you're going to have man in there, you're going to have Levi to play nine, even in the middle. Josh King, I know Pasami Solo, the young front row, is a bit of a gun, and the other Safiri brother Jacob's been injured, but the sooner they get those guys back in, the better. Because, uh, yeah. again, the, the bench, I uh, didn't think it was all that effective. And I think James Garvey's out this week. I don't know if that's because of injury or he's been dropped, but there's, there's been a little shuffling in that the first few weeks. And it, it's again, it's good to have options, but you also need to settle at some point, much like the spine. Yeah. And if they spend all year shuffling the forward pack, back row, edges, bench rotation, Herman SES, he seems to be on the outer as well. There's some rumours that there's been you know a bit of drama with family health and he wants to go back to New Zealand. I thought he was one of their best forwards, if not close to their best last year. So, yeah, th- th- there's some stuff going on there, but... See how they play this week, but the main thing is that spine move. I think they've made the right decision there, mm-hmm. and it's a very big game. Canberra, uh, they've got some stuff to work through. If Caesar's out again, I've got no problems with Williams being there. Jack Whiten uh, missed a couple of tackles, put a couple of kicks out the full, not his best day. But again, if there's one highlight in that spine, it's having Josh Hodgson there and Chance Nickel Clogstad, who was the best player probably in New South Wales Cup for the Warriors for the last two seasons, blocked out by Roger Tuivasa-Shek. You can't expect him to get a run there. Getting that opportunity at Canberra. From the tip up from Mick Fadden, who was at New Zealand, has worked out to be an outstanding purchase. And he's only going to get better. The ball playing side of things isn't quite there yet, but his kick returns, his physicality, a couple of tries, he, he just pushes on everything. He's an effort machine, great kick returner, physical player. Um, that, that's been a real positive for Canberra. So yep. see how they go this week as well. Moving on to the next game, my favourite game of the round, Roosters versus the Eels. Like, what a game. What a, what a game this was. This had a finals feel to it. The turnaround in Parramatta's attitude, again, I know it's a contract year for a couple of guys and they've completely changed up the spine and Norman's been moved on. But I just love what they're doing. I love the way they're playing the football. Obviously, addressing the back five and the set starts, as we spoke about, has worked out. Mike Acevo had a massive game. Uh, they put him under pressure with some kicks, but him and Ferguson starting the sets off. The energy from Gutherson, he's been outstanding as well the first few weeks. Dylan Brown looks like he's been playing first grade for three or four years and he's an 18-year-old. Best thing about him, though, defensively. Usually young hearts, you've got to worry about their defense. Defensively, he's great. Yeah. He is great. And, um, you know, Moses is even working in with him. Reed Marnie, again, defensively, a bit small, gets picked on at times, but in attack, provides a lot of spark. The offloads in the forward pack, though. Junior Paulo, I was worried about him, as we know. Price tag, minutes, five offloads, through a cracker pass to set up their first try. Really effective. Oricon Kafusi, still only 19. Played all the junior rep stuff. He got an opportunity late with Tepai Morale moving out. He was effective. He helped with those offloads again and breaking down the Roosters and really moved them around. But at the end of the day, the Roosters under adversity, the amount of changes that to make. Uh, the goal line defense, why conceding a couple of tries, they were really good there and they steeled themselves. Luke Keery, um, wow, I thought Luke Keery was outstanding. And Tedesco, after an okay first two weeks, really came to the fore in this game and was the best player. And, Late. late. Yeah. I think they, they mucked around for a fair while there, the Roosters, and Parramatta put them under a lot of pressure and they played good footy. And I think the Roosters would have gone away from that game thinking, well, Parramatta are the real deal. And, yeah. and I walked away from that thinking, okay, Parramatta have improved significantly. Yeah. Uh, but for me, the Roosters just turned it on in that last 20 minutes. I think they scored, what, three tries um, in that time and really blew the game. Yeah. Took the game away from Parramatta at a critical time when they were under pressure, which is a good sign for, for the Roosters. But... I guess Trent Robinson will be really happy with the end of the game, but probably 70% of the game he's, he's going to be thinking there's some stuff there that we've got to get rid of. But that's to be expected at this 
point in time. I mean, you're not at your final product. You're, you're working your way up to it. And I guess you're just trying to see good habits out of your team and you want to see the consistency and the performance built, you know, over longer periods of time. And uh, I even thought the week before, I know they were affected by some injuries in the weather against Manly, but it was a clunky performance that, you know, he would have liked to have seen improved on. Uh, and I, I thought, to be fair, they, they probably didn't perform for as long in this game, but were still good enough to get the result. I think the big thing, again, is to have so much disruption and still win, though, is it's just massive. Oh, no argument. Uh, the, the bigger concern is do you do you have to rest friend or get... They're talking that he needs something similar done to what James Graham had at the Bulldogs where he had four to six weeks off with a bit of a neck surgery to release a, a nerve in his shoulder or something that keeps getting pinched because every time it happens, you basically lose half strength, apparently. Mm. So do they put Radley there temporarily? Do they push forward? Now that Kronk's had a couple of weeks off with Kronk, Keary and Radley there and try and you know, get that sorted, uh, I don't know. I also think he's going to be an iron for origin for Queensland or be in that realm. I know they'll probably look at Ben Hunt again and maybe I, McCulloch might get another crack, but I don't know if that's the case to be. But the way Friend finished last year and if he keeps playing well this year, I think he'd be right in the frame for origin. Yeah, so, yeah, I agree. Some question marks in that side of things, but just the versatility. Like Orbison's missed a fix it. Latrell slotting in at six again, I thought did a good job. Their whole forward pack again, suits the mould of where the game's going again now. They have a forward pack with minutes, versatility, the ability for multiple guys to play edges and middle roles, footwork, speed. Like Isaac Liu and Tokiaho in particular at the back end of the game. And Tokiaho to almost pull out of the game injured and perform the way he did was absolutely outstanding. But Brad Arthur, rightfully so, uh, was quite angry with the finish of the game and the way they considered those soft tries. Like From a set start, Radley jumps out of dummy half and everyone's eyes just flew out to Kiri and Tedesco. They took their eyes off him completely and he just dives to the ruck. Tedesco just breaking that tackle and sliding across there with the players from Parramatta sliding towards the sideline and he just goes in basically untouched. And Tokiaho, I know they again gravitated towards Luke Kiri and probably pushed over too hard and they just switched it back to the post and got in under there. But those last three tries were, you know, not, not the greatest way to end the game. But, no, absolutely not. Um, I'll tell you what, the way Clint Gutherson's playing, and I thought the effort was there last year, it was just the team and the whole culture and the way things were affected him. He's off contract and they apparently lowballed him a little bit, but there's some teams out there that could definitely use a fullback. And I tell you what, if Parramatta aren't thinking that he's, you know, captain material or one of the best things moving forward for them, I think they're insane. Mm. So I'd be putting, not again, saying pay overs, but I don't know why he'd be trying to strong arm somebody who is excellent for culture, apparently the best trainer, playing the way he is, a couple of try assists again on the weekend. He's just a ball of energy. Yeah. Um, Like I said, I can think of plenty of clubs that would love to have Clint Gutherson. So Parramatta, of all the players you've got off contract, that's one I'd be sorting out. Absolutely. And I'd be sorting out pretty well. I think it's it's more linked to the Brad Arthur situation. Well, apparently they've, you know, that's not going to be solved to mid-year and they want to get this done the next couple of weeks. So Mm. if they don't move quickly... probably put a clause in there, I guess. Yeah, that, that might be a possibility, but yeah. Good signs, Brown, Paulo, Gutherson, Oregon, Confuci, Sebo, etc., and the Roosters, they just keep kicking on. Manly Warriors, uh, I don't really want to spend a lot of time on this, and in general, Super Saturday, may I say, wasn't very super, it was smash-up Saturday. Yeah, every was, every team got bloody hammered, but the Warriors just looked like they were happy to not tackle, to be honest. The, the, Hard to argue. The line speed, the intent, the contact, the amount of times that Manly players got three or four players in on, <clears throat> in on them and they couldn't be controlled or they offload the football. And Fanua Blake, Martin Tapao had an absolute field day. But even outside backs and like, no offense, I thought Brad Parker had a good game. But the last try he scored where he pinballed off a couple of blokes, like the intent there and the defensive pressure was just awful. And, I, you know, I really feel sorry for her. And again, I, I, 
I know he won the Dalian medal there last year, but I wasn't happy when he re-signed that long-term deal. Roger Tuovasashek. He had 172 metres in the first half. He was a one-man band, and I just really hope that he's, his time's not wasted there. Like, I still think he's going to forge an excellent career, but as far as, like, the potential of winning premierships and being even more so effective with better players around him, I hope his time's not wasted while he's at the Warriors. But it really felt like he was on his own in this game. I thought Isaiah Papali'i was all right uh, in patches, and he was plenty busy and whatnot. But, um, yeah, if they weren't rolling 80 metres upfield themselves, they were happy to let Manly roll 80 metres the other way. The amount of line breaks, offloads, and how ineffective they were, they got carved to pieces. It was just way too easy. Cherry Evans, Tommy Trevoy, which had an absolute field day, those two props, how much they offloaded. They really targeted Green, tried to tie him out, put extra pressure on him. And at the same time for the Warriors, they had way too much expectation on Green to dictate and control absolutely everything. Mm-hmm. Losing Luke early obviously didn't help, and having Tavunga having to go in there and play a bit more nine. He came through the juniors as a nine, but he plays more now as like a middle forward who makes an impact and offloads. But, um, yeah, there was way too much pressure on Green, and yeah, I, I was a bit flabbergasted how it, how it turned out. But there was a streak there, and I wrote it down, where after conceding one of the tries, they conceded try. Gave away three penalties, penalty goal. Off the next kickoff set, conceded a try again. Gave away another penalty. Knocked the ball down, gave away an error. Dropout was forced by Manly. Scored another try, and then they went full set and completed. So there was like a glut there where they just went savage mode near the back end, and, and the Warriors couldn't shut them down, couldn't stop them, couldn't help themselves discipline-wise, and that, that really summed things up for me. Because in both halves, they had gluts of possession. In particular, start of the second half, when it was 24-12, where they spent... Almost 10 minutes on Manly's line, and they came up with nothing. One-out carries, scoots, set-up plays, turning plays. I know they, they literally offered nothing. Yep. Um, real, real concern there. But for Manly, great win, great effort. And I said it last week, and I should have tipped them. They, for some reason, always win in New Zealand. They really, really I, do. I, I tipped the Warriors based on purely cr- cross on church. Christchurch. And I, and I was it, with you. It, it had the opposite effect. They, yeah. they came out looking really, really flat, the Warriors. Now the Titans roll over there this week. Good luck picking that game. Yeah, and probably the other point out of last week, uh, I said Manisi Fane, really pushing for that job. He was super effective again on the weekend. <laughs> he and was a beast. He suits the way that forward plaque. Tom Trebojevic just... Oh, ridiculous it was return. unbelievable. It was incredible, but uh, some better signs for Manly. And DC obviously looks a lot better when he's got those guys going forward and working around him. So yeah. good effort for them moving forward. Let's see how they go this week. Sharks, North Queensland, uh, real concern for the Cowboys in my eyes. Yeah. Uh, without Tal Malolo and just the effort of that team and a couple of those older blokes again and some of the changes they've made, a bit uninspiring in all honesty. The first half wasn't great. Uh, the Sharks weren't the greatest either. A couple of errors put themselves under pressure early. Matty Moylan dropped a few. Um, they scored a try there with just a nice set of hands between Fafita and Gallon and Townsend crashed over. Then conceded too late, a pretty ordinary one under the posts. Where it was tipped back inside by Morgan and then late in the half a drop by Fecky. But the second half, the blitz that they put on like for North Queensland, that, that's, that's got to concern Paul Green, surely. They got absolutely shredded. Sean Johnson ran wild, was putting kicks in, like running on last play, and the line just stood flat and held and let him play through. Josh Morris is making line breaks down the left edge, then scoring off a scoot. Josh Dugan from a simple crash over from Braley. The most concerning one of all to me was Braley just running straight to the ruck. Yeah, he literally got up to set markers and a set play of the ball and gutted the A and B and went straight through the tunnel there. Um, oh yeah, I, I was absolutely dumbfounded. Late in the game, a consolation try for them, dropping on the inside shoulder. I think it was of Johnson with Cooper, but then Braley again scores off a, an offload where they just couldn't wrap up a front row and scores under the post. But 
42-16, great signs for the Sharks. Massive loss in Matt Moylan, a bit of a reshuffle there, but luckily for them, they can push Dugan there. The biggest thing is you've got fullback cover, but that really affects the cohesion between Spine and Sean Johnson and him linking up, and, and the fact that Matt Moylan is so effective at being an extra ball player and sweeping like we like to see Callum Pong and these players doing, creating opportunities. And it looked like this week they had more focus on playing that left-hand side and getting a Morris who had a great game. Um, so that's going to hurt them, I think, as far as well, was it, that was side it, of things. It was a very even game for a long time, and then the, the Sharks just seemed to click. Mm. They mm. clicked and just, I think they scored at one point four tries in it was almost five, 12 minutes. Five in 20 minutes. Well, there you go. Mm. Like, it was... It was crazy. Like, I, I, I was sort of half watching the game for a little while. I was, I was in and out of it. I couldn't really get engaged. And then, kaboom, they unleashed. Yeah. Uh, and I don't know whether that's a sign that Cronulla have clicked and they found a little bit of mojo and the chemistry starting to click there, or are the Cowboys starting to slide back with the loss of Tamalolo? Are they not as good as what we thought? Are they going to struggle? Is their forward pack a year too old? Were they a year too old last year? Uh, because on paper, and everyone keeps talking about what's on paper, but... What they're performing like really doesn't um, match up to the resumes that you're looking at for the mm. Cowboys. So uh, a great performance, a great win away from home for Cronulla. I mean, they lost Gallon early in that game as well to a rib concern, but uh, the signs there look look really, really good. And uh, young Bronson Sherry is going to make his debut this week, so that's exciting for Sharks fans. Yeah, um, Upset a few Sharks fans during the week, didn't I? Oh, Saying yeah. I didn't like them. If, uh, again... Uh, no, I don't know if he, him. If, he, if he's listening or not, I don't know. But at the end of the day, I, I thought that would have been taken with a grain of salt yeah. or a bit of humour because that's all it was. So, um, you can't keep everyone happy, unfortunately. But Bronson Sherry is, for Sharks fans out there, he is a... Uh, oh, he's a gun. He's a live wire. So get ready for that one. Uh, a good video on uh, doing the rounds on social media when John Morris told him they had a secret camera in there. So um, if you're a Sharkies fan or if you're just a footy fan that likes seeing that sort of stuff, go and have a look. Just quietly, I didn't share it, but did you see off topic the video of Liam Martin getting his jersey last night? Yeah, that was good. I watched it last night. Yeah, Yeah. on the Panthers website, Roycey Simmons had a chat. Ivan Cleary had a bit of a chat. um, and Very real. Spoke about, yeah, he's he's lost his brother and how much it means to his family and how far he travelled to... um, you know, play. I think it was SG Ball and twenties. Good and, kids like that. Though. Yeah. They're, they're the ones you, you love want. Seeing like that. I said, playing first grade or getting those opportunities. Yeah. And I, again, we're going to move on to that game, and it wasn't the happiest of debuts, but oh. that that was a great, a great moment and a great uh, thing to see. But yeah, before we move on to that one, the Sharks' outstanding performance. A couple of changes this week to the spine. Obviously, a bit more responsibility uh, on Sean Johnson and Chad Townsend this week. Without Matt Moylan being able to create those numbers and link in at the back there, doing it obviously not the Best ball playing fullback, you definitely know you're going to have good set starts. Absolutely. Um, But great performance by them last week. Woods, Fafita, the whole forward pack prior. Losing Gallon, uh, now the most ever games for the Cronulla Sharks, game 329. Wasn't the the game he would have liked in that he had to go off? He he had a nice um, moment, though, setting up that try. It was great, yeah. Yeah. Uh, Huge achievement by Paul Gallon and what a career he's had. But Cowboys back to the drawing board. Uh, Need a bit more effort from a couple of guys. I think Cohen Hess again really needs to take a look in the mirror. Year three. You're a monster. Get more physical. Realise how big you are. Jordan McLean, plenty of raps on him to play for Australia again and get a run with the Blues. He needs to step up a bit more. I think Michael Morgan played all right and had his hand in a few things, but you can only do as much as your forward pack does. And yeah. that reshuffle in the spine, Jake Granville, um, still a couple of years on, not quite the player he was. Again, comes off the forward pack, I guess, but Clifford and the halves didn't get much help. Martin had a mixed night at the back, so whether they persist with that or not, we'll have to see when we look at our lineups later on tonight, but... Panthers Storm, 32-2. to 
early on Melbourne error, three penalties and a penalty goal after five minutes. That's the only points the Panthers got all night. Uh, they were just led two nil, and that was it. Yeah, they were, they were dreadful, and that they parked themselves after that. After Melbourne gave away three or four penalties, a couple of errors, and Their a couple of repeat was sets, inept. They had thirty tackles inside twenty in almost ten, eleven sets in a row, and got absolutely nowhere. Yep. And we all know Melbourne defensively, great line speed inside shoulder. They put pressure on, they force you into decisions. But Penrith did not try anything different. And similar to what we said before about the Warriors. I know they've got the origin halves, but you need some deception out of dummy half to take away from the hooker or create some doubt about the ruck to get time for your outside men. And then Dylan Edwards and Dallin, whether one of them each either plays fullback, I don't think either are a real good ball player. Yeah. So all the responsibilities on your halves. But at the same time, way too many setup plays, way too many one out crash overs trying to set up. Like if you're gonna run one out to Melbourne, then it's gonna slow the ruck down anyway. All the chain passes. Too many, too many setup plays. Yeah, all the chain passes where it was just a tip for a tip for a tip, hoping they could barge through or slip over. And in particular, I don't know what they, they had an obsession with getting to that edge of Curtis Scott, who's an outstanding defender, and trying to play over to that side of the field. And they got nowhere. Um, and even Melbourne, Melbourne punished themselves. But the one thing you do know is they're going to be great defensively. Mm-hmm. And Dylan Edwards, I feel sorry for him. He had an awful night. He had six errors, but. The first one there, there's arguments. Did Ado Car bump into Dallin Bertin's Lesniak? Did he change his line? You can argue until you're blue in the face. But there was two players there, and they didn't come up with the ball. Munster got an easy try. The Croft one, is it a good kick chase? Is it a good kick pressure? Yes, but you've got to catch that. So you've given away two freebies before you've even got going. But at the end of the day, not been able to do anything with the football. And when Melbourne had it, I thought they were really effective, um, and especially attacking that left-hand side. But lucky you not to grab a few more tries. They just strangled the life out of them. Cameron Munster, three one-on-one steals. The way he controlled the game and steered things, I'm super impressed with him the first few weeks. I didn't think he'd be able to transform into such a controlling half as well as still being able to be that dynamic X-factor that he is. Smith understated, again, his contribution and control. The way Melbourne changed the point of attack at the moment and just moved the ruck. They're doing what teams should do more often to them. Uh, Bromwich was great again. Dale Finucane, that I know we said about Murray, that, that jersey, if Jack DeBellin's not going to be playing Origin, obviously is open, but Dale Finucane's doing himself no harm in pushing his state in, in, in case for that. But uh, yeah, the back five for Melbourne, I thought as well, were really, really good. And just these players that they pick up and use, like Marion Seve, who was an Australian schoolboy, a Tigers junior who couldn't get a game. He had testicular cancer. He had a stint out. Had a year at Manly. I think it was, then went to the Broncos, couldn't get a game, goes to Melbourne mid-season last year, like four years or so, waiting to get an opportunity, scores that try at the end there where he cuts through and scores under the post. Tommy Eisenhuth, who come there from Penrith again mid-season last year, someone you haven't really heard of or know about, who's been plugging away in cup for six or so years and played his lone NRL game uh, against the Warriors, getting caught up late for under-20s. Unfortunately, had a fractured larynx, which is an awful injury round one, but they just seem to find these guys, get the best out of them, and be able to use them somehow in their squad. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, for Penrith, massive questions. Uh, huge game this week against the Tigers, a lot of pressure at home, need to get a result um, around all the stuff we spoke about before, but just in general from a football perspective. I, again, I know there's a lot of pressure on Nathan. I think Nathan's been going as bad as everyone's making no, out. I, I think so. the forward pack needs to step up. I think missing Billy Kikau has been huge, and they hopefully get him back this week. I think Campbell Gillard, Tarmow, all those guys need to really step up. They need to create more second phase. Um, yeah, I, I, and again, like from nine and one, you need more to help your halves. Everyone else has got to chip in before your halves can do their job. Mm-hmm. You know Nathan's going to kick, make his tackles, etc. But if you want more out of him in attack, you've got to get more from your fullback. You've got to get more deception and control from dummy half to buy you time. 
and I think Edwards or whether it's Dallin moving forward, somebody's got to be there with more of a ball playing option and that's got to be worked on. Yeah. They've got to peel their attack right back because Melbourne has ate it up. Mm. Absolutely ate it up. And possession was crazy, like in favour of Penrith in that first half. And they came up with nothing. They didn't even look like scoring. Yeah. And it, like I said, at the end of the game, they made and the And I errors. thought that was Melbourne's worst performance of the year. Yeah. Well, Melbourne had 14 errors as yeah, well I, to the 17 of Penrith. But defensively, they just give you nothing. Yeah. They give you absolutely Oh, I'm nothing. not bagging Melbourne. No, I'm no. saying if Penrith were ever going to beat Melbourne, that was your chance. Because if the Melbourne that rolled up against Canberra or against Brisbane, they would have towed the shit out of Penrith. Mm. So Penrith can consider themselves. I heard James Maloney on the radio this morning spinning some crap about, you know, they Melbourne only earned one try. The rest of the tries were, you know, off things that we gave them. I'm well, like, the mate, they time, scored 30 points. You didn't, you didn't crack You didn't them, crack a try. Yeah. With all the extra possession and inside 20s, oh. I get the two first ones were basically for free, but you let Seve cut through by your middles being lazy. You rubbish. let Bromwich drag three people over the line. Yep. That left-hand shift where they created the number off the extra sweep. Like you're saying they didn't create a try, but they went through you softly twice and they cut your left edge apart multiple times even though they only got one real try. Yep. But the difference is they gave you nothing and they're relentless for 80 minutes and they kick better and they controlled the game better even with the 14 errors to Penrith 17. So they can complain and say they only completed at 58%, but Melbourne weren't much better. They still found 30 points and they Correct. turned you away. So lots to work on for Penrith, unfortunately. Dogs, Tigers, what a turnaround. <laughs> and again, if, if for the bookies and for every multi and every bet on the weekend that burnt down to the ground, uh, they were just outstanding. I, I backed the Doggies with a start in a multi. I had Doggies and Titans with a, an extended start, a pick-your-own-line start. Mm. Good little multi. Well, it ruined both our best bets, mind you. Did uh, it? Our second best bets. But I think your second one was South with 13+, plus, so that went down as well as they lost players as well. But uh, we're both zero. You, you, you was none from none, and I was none from none on the weekend. So not I a good weekend. I haven't got one the whole year now. No, I'm Three two, rounds, I'm I'm two from six. <laughs> we're not what doing... was my first best bet? Uh, something to do with Brisbane and somebody else, but yeah. Brisbane lost, so... Yuck. Yeah. I had Storm 1-12 to again, and that obviously didn't pan out because Penrith just yeah, decided got, to... They got murked. Yeah, cop it sweet, but... Uh, I thought this was funny enough that the Tigers played in the worst weather the first two weeks and completed it close to 90%, but got a dry track and looked like they were playing from behind the whole game. Yeah. They made 13 errors to the Dogs 4. Every time they got close or within reach, they looked panicked. They threw stupid offloads. They turned the football over. There was no control. The Bulldogs' defense was much better. Their effort was much better. Their roll forward. I thought Elliot and Arpa had a great game. Harrowwood and Ira. Lots of good early shifts because they are a bit of a lighter pack this year. Yeah. Uh, pushed on second phase. Nick Manny at the back definitely opened things up on their Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass!" So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. And they got a couple of tries going down that left-hand edge of the Tigers in particular and running on last tackle. Mm-hmm. They scored twice off last tackles where Kieran Foran in with his busted ankle just dug into the line, had numbers around him and either got halfway through to get a pass off or an offload. And as the game just wore and it looked like the Tigers were almost conceded to losing that game. But they refused to settle down. They, they just never... They never settled never down. found their patience on a dry track. Mm. Uh, it seemed like the conditions sort of 
played into the fact that they wanted to be really patient in the, in the previous weeks. You know, they played yeah. at Leichhardt in a slop fest. They played out at Campbelltown in a slop fest the first two rounds, but they got on a dry track. It's like they got excited and just went away from what worked. So they, they definitely didn't earn the right. Uh, but the Bulldogs, I thought, the Bulldogs, again, they looked like a side who needed to win, and they did, mm. uh, and they executed, and I didn't really think at any stage the Tigers looked in this game, probably from apart from the opening 10 minutes, but even then you could sense that the Dogs probably wanted it a little bit more. They were playing the ball a little bit faster. They were running a little bit harder, tackling it a little bit harder. Yep. It's funny how you can just tell in the first 10 minutes of a game, can't you, with the you know, the opening exchanges, as you can see, the attitude of the teams. And, and again, from a dog's point of view, like I said before, I know finals and all these other things aren't on your radar, but you should be really happy looking at some of the players there. Like Meany, yeah. smart buy, good buy. And this is what I'm talking about with the salary cap moves or looking at what they've got. You've got a real good, young, effective fullback. Jade Nockenborsch switched to the wing. You've got a big target there who ate up 200-plus metres in his debut game. You've got yeah. Remus Smith who finished last year outstandingly and he's been pretty good the first couple of weeks here. Nice try, good push on that one to support when Meany made the line break and obviously 180 metres himself. There's some good young players there. Yeah, They just need to be patient enough, keep that core kind of group around it, push forward to when they get that free money and you can build around it. And on top of that, they're rebuilding their junior pass like we talked about before for a lot of people that that focus went away when Des Hasler got to the club. They've gone back to a junior-based focus now. Yeah, We played their 18s on the weekend. They were pretty good. You played their 16s. They looked all right. They've got a couple of kids who have pushed already to their 20s. I don't know how they're going, but players like Jake Avarillo, um, they obviously lost Tommy Talao, unfortunately, to the Tigers, but... Mm-hmm. That development pathway is finally open again. So be patient. Be patient. It's going to be worthwhile. Yep. Um, yeah, Napa, much better game. Foran to play with that ankle the way he did. I thought he was outstanding. Lewis had a better week because of that. But Elliot, Harawir and Ira, like, there was a lot of positives. But more importantly, a great team effort. Played some football. Moved the ball around. Were patient, relentless. And defensive attitude was much better. Mm-hmm. And probably summed up by the end there where Robbie Farrow got turned inside out by off a hickey Ogden from the inside there like that that inside pressure and those little things show you when a team's really playing good football so uh, for the Tigers back to the drawing board Benji out obviously after a couple of good weeks there opens the door for Josh Reynolds to come back in uh, so a change in the spine there he played good apparently his first two weeks there at New South Wales Cup so a ready made replacement and a lot of people complaining on TV about the spray that was seen given by Michael McGuire and no issue with it you can't, Absolutely no issue. You can't do that every. You, you, you can't do that every week. I get that, but when because you, every week it doesn't. That's not warranted. Exactly. But when you play the team that's been lapped by seventy something combined points the first two weeks, who you know you roll into your home ground on a dry track after you've played in the wet and you dish up that and attack that way and are just that impatient and like you said, don't earn the right. Well, your first grade footballers on big money who have all week to prepare for that. Yeah, and they weren't willing to do the hard work to establish themselves to throw those offloads or play the football they tried to play. Yeah, so rightfully so, they got trashed by their coach. And on top of that, like last year, those are the games they lost, which cost them finals. Yeah, exactly. they beat Melbourne twice earlier in the year. They beat the Roosters, etc. But the ones that hurt them were these kind of games. So that is the reason why he probably pasted them. Hard to argue. So yeah, last one of the round. Souths for the Titans, and I'll I'll give this one to you because you went to the game. Went to the game. Yeah. Uh, Your thought, thoughts? Uh, I think the Titans are making too many errors at critical times. Uh, I thought the refereeing in this game, and this may sound biased, I, I'm not I'm not the biased type, but I thought the 50-50 penalties really went Souths way in this game. I thought they were they they picked Kevin Proctor up on one um, during the first half. 
where he was on the negative side of the ruck. He was a metre offside. They've, they've pinned him for that one, but yet in sets after that, South Sydney was standing offside. Offside, they were getting warned and not penalised because I had the sports ears in and I was there, I was there by myself. Um, did I think the Titans deserved to win the game? No, I, I didn't. I think South were the better team. Did I think South were great? No, I, I think South were poor. I, I thought the scoreline flattered the Titans because if the, if the real South turned up, like, like when they really wanted to execute, they scored pretty easily on the edges, I thought, South. Uh, I thought South lacked patience, um, in especially in good ball areas. It's, it's a hard one for me. I, I I think the Titans are playing quite well considering the players they've got out. I, I was I was pretty happy with their performance on um, Sunday night walking away from that game. I think South are going to be there when the whip's cracking at the end of the year. If they didn't play in their preliminary final, I think their season would be a failure. Um, but, yeah, I, I think the Titans tried hard. They needed to be a lot... Um, you know, better and and perfect with the footy and less errors and less penalties in South, and they just didn't manage to do that through their own fault. Uh, but also, I think because the referees, um, you know, and it's it's probably easy to do because there's no Titans yeah. fans there influencing the referees. But, but I, it was, it was a, just frustrating to watch at some parts of the game. You it just was a nine-one penalty count. Fucking let the game yeah, flow. It was and a nine-one. But there was no way that the Titans were nine-one worse than the no, Rabbitohs in that no. game. And I'm not, I'm not saying it should have been. Even, but the Titans but, are an yeah. easy side just to lap in the yeah. penalty count. Yep. So it was just a frustrating game from that perspective. But I don't want people to think it's it's biased because it's not. No. But, and secondly, I don't want people to think that's the reason why they lost the game. They lost the game because they're missing – well, they were missing three of their key position players for the third week in a row. Mm. Uh, I thought Jared Wallace was just diabolical in well, this he, game. He gave away four of Diabolical. And, and four of those penalties were warranted. It yeah. was just dumb play, absolutely dumb play. There was one there where we scored and I think got back within four and Ryan James drops it on play two and then bitches and moans to the referee. Like, you've got to get better. Yeah, but I just thought there were, there were elements in the game where the game was flowing, it was transitioning, the two teams were fighting, they were kicking, chasing, mm. and the referees just have to blow their whistle. Yeah. Stay out of the way. Stay out of the way, let the players decide it. And there were parts of the game where, as a coach, like I'm getting shitloads out of watching it, really enjoying it, liking to see what the different tactics are. I love seeing players under fatigue making decisions. Yeah. And, and, think- and the referees too often... You know, and were these the two best best referees in our game? No, they're not. And I, I'm not a referee basher. I'm not interested in that. But just, I, th- I thought we got to a point where we're just not going to impact the game unless we absolutely have to. And just there were a few times in this game where I thought they did, but I, I don't think it affected the result. No, no. Well, for me, I thought South did all the work early to get themselves out of the line, and then your mob were very competitive for the back end of the game and tried to reel them in. But at the same time, I don't think South were that great either. No, that's but what I'm saying. At I thought, the same again, time, again, like I said about Penrith earlier. I think that was if you're South's them, worst. Yeah. That was South's worst performance of the year. Just like I thought it was Melbourne's worst performance of the year. I thought they took you guys a little lightly. I thought Burgess had a bit of a stinger at one point. Cody Walker hurt his shoulder. Went a bit quiet after that. They lost Burns early, and when Turner went at that edge, you guys rightly took advantage of that. They got Brian Kelly at him, who ended up scoring two tries. Was there a little bit of luck in the Don try, somewhat, but that's an effort try too, where you get there and rip the ball out. Yeah. But I also think the early points and then the couple extra penalty goals gave them that lead that they needed to kind of, you know, slow down at the back end of the game. You come right after them. They played really, really well, I thought, for especially the last 20, 35 minutes, the Titans mm-hmm. coming after them in the second half. But, yeah, probably summed up in the end when they gave away that penalty off the short dropout and Reynolds just knocked it over. But, um, yeah, no Liam Knight, no Greg Inglis, losing Braden Burns, still no George. 
at this point in time. So, you know, they, they just did enough, I thought, Souths to get out of the line. Cam Murray, yeah. not his best game, made a few errors. Uh, overall, I thought Cody Walker probably had the most influence on the game to me. Mm-hmm. A couple of tries, just for absolute crackers. Uh, he had a really good game, and I thought Damian Cook, a lot of people are going, oh, he's not running, he's not running. He doesn't need to run at the moment. They're rolling really well. He's giving good ball to his halves. He's more deceiving around the ruck. He's doing a lot more ruck manipulation and holding markers. And people are worried about him. It's holding up the outsides and giving more opportunity for his halves to play good football. Mm-hmm. So there's a lot of smaller stuff that people aren't thinking about or crediting to Damien Cook. And I think he made the biggest play of the game. Yeah. At the back end when he jumped out. And you're kind of thinking, what's he doing? And the the, cook, uh, the kick that he put in the grubber looked like it was a little bit overcooked. But it forced that drop out at the last chance for you guys to kind of attack them. Which put you in this situation to go for the short drop out leading to the penalty to ice the game. Mm-hmm. So, on that side of things, um, yeah, I, I don't really know what else to say. But this week, you apparently get both your halves back, which is massive. Oh, and we need them back. That is a huge point of difference. And Mitchell Rain, like Nathan Peets, speedy recovery, all the best to him. He's out for 10 to 14 weeks. But I think they honestly look better with Mitchell Rain playing nine. They did, yeah. I, I think Peets is the point for me where I put him in my rotation because I like him as a middle and he's a great defender. But for me, it's to the point now where maybe he starts the game and plays the first 20 and takes the sting out of things. And then now that there's more fatigue in the game, I leave him on as a lock or a tight. Because if I don't trust some of these other guys, Max King and you know Fotowaker, or if he's not going to trust them, I at least know that Peets is going to defend really well. And he's big enough to carry the football as a 13. Yeah. Um, if, if that's the way it goes. But I, I, I think Rain, regardless of that injury, needed to be in there somewhere. I would absolutely agree, so, yeah. Yeah, that's the point they're at, but... Halves back this week. We'll see how they go. But that wraps up the reviews of the games from the weekend. Brought to you by the Pro Sports Syndicate. Look out for that tips package. Still the special offer there for all our listeners. Instead of the 800 it regularly costs, $100 off for fifth and last listeners. 700 for the year. Over 450 tips for the whole season. Lines, player props, and all sorts of goodies. Uh, best bets. There wasn't one this week. They've got a bit of maintenance with their website and a bit of a revamp going on there. But keep your eye open for those promo links and the bonus bet offers. Previously, with Ned's $250 matched deposit, always good when the start of the footy season rolls around. You won't have a bet box yet. You know it. But the Pro Sports Syndicate uh, have a best bet back this week and more information from the boys. And uh, we had a request last week, Brock, for more Lyle on the show. She's given her opinion in the background about the Titans, by the sounds of things. Yeah, yeah. She's not happy about the Titans either. But fan questions. Marge McGuire, funny bloke. Do you think they should bring back the five minute sin bin? And in brackets, someone invariably asks you blokes this every second week. Yes, they should. Marge McGuire also. Who would win a game with 20-minute quarters? Eight Penrith Panthers first graders or eight Kersley Crushers C graders? What would your eight-player team look like? Well, a C grade team, so I'm assuming 18, 19-year-olds against first graders for 20 minutes, so I'm still taking the first graders, unfortunately, pal. Yeah. But, uh, yeah. James Hughes, how common is it for players to dictate their position? Brown clearly wanted Ponga at fullback, yet Ponga wanted to play 5-8. Well, I spoke think, about this earlier. Yeah, earlier to that point. Uh, I think... I don't, Ponga to me doesn't seem like an overbearing personality. I think he would have went there and they would have talked about it and just... Maybe not in the media. Sort of agreed that it... Yeah, well, that's the thing you don't know. But he doesn't strike me that way. But I'm sure this week he would have agreed with Nathan Brown that it needs to go back to what you said. What's mm. better for the team? And after the first few weeks, it clearly is that he should play one. So, uh, yeah, I think it was more him wanting to play there. Does he have the ability to play there? Yeah, but why would you put him there now? Wait until the future when he's got more kilometres in his legs. You just play at Origin. You're the Dalian fullback of the year or close to the Dalian player of the year last year. Play fullback. Yeah. Foti. The try to the Broncos when Widdop was pulled from one metre out into in goal, should that have constituted a tackle? He was on the ground, 
Ball was grounded. They didn't go to the bunker. They never have, never allowed a player to be pushed back into goal once a player has hit the deck. What was that one? The try when the Broncos scored yeah. when Widdop was pulled from one yeah, meter yeah, out yeah. into goal. Should that have constituted a tackle? The ball was grounded. They didn't go to the bunker. They never. But that's a that's player. one of those hard ones where if I put a fingertip on him, is he tackled? To me, in that situation when he just lays down, you should be able to pick him up and drag him back in. In in my but according to the rule, as soon as you put a hand on him, he's held. Yeah. So. According to the rule, it's probably the wrong call. According to how I perceive it, the, how the game should be played, I, th- I think he should be able to then pick him up and put him back in the end goal in that situation. But, I think that'll get rid of players laying down and diving down. Yeah. There was another game, I can't remember which one, where a player was definitely down. They didn't get driven back like five metres into the end goal or yeah. dragged over the side. It's one of those ones I think every week it's a 50-50 kind of call. But I also thought, again, we're, not, we're definitely not biased. I thought Cameron Munster's third steal on Maloney it may have been. I thought the tackle was complete. Yeah. And the bloke was on the ground and he suddenly got the football out of it. But again, it's it's one of those 50-50 sometimes. Arthur Sekoulis, who do you think got the better end of the deal with the Tigers with Madge or Panthers with Cleary? I think it's too early to say. Yeah. After two weeks, you would have said the Tigers and then they dished up that performance against the Bulldogs who everyone thought was going to be the Wooden Spooners after the first two weeks. And you've got Penrith, uh, a bit of short-term pain for long-term gain. They've had a lot of off-field issues. There's a lot going on there. Uh, he's got a five-year deal, so we're not going to know. We'll have to wait at least to the end of this I season or moving today. forward. Cleary's under pressure. Like, not with a five-year deal and the money they, they pay, and they can't afford to fire anyone. That's right. It's crazy this early to be saying what's going on. It's his fault especially. Yeah, He's not got a lot of control over some of the things that have happened. Terence Turnbuckle, why has every player in the NRL, good, bad, or average, played Australian schoolboys before? How many people get named in the schoolboys team? Well, they usually pick an extended squad if they're going to go on tour. Mm-hmm. Uh, of usually about 20, 22 players because they roll through a couple while they're over there. But the reason a lot of players in the NRL have played Australian schoolboys is because it's bloody hard to get into the NRL as it is to get into Australian schoolboys. Mm. Um, the average career of NRL is what, like 20-something games now? Yeah. Which is not even a full season, basically. Most guys, they say, on average in top squads only last two years before they end up part-time or in New South Wales Cup again. So it's very, very hard, full stop to play first grade, let alone being an Australian schoolboy. So if you're talking even like under-20s, a couple of years ago. If there's 16 teams in the under-20s across the country, Melbourne, Brisbane, Queensland, WA, wherever they get players from, plus New Zealand, if you've got squads of 30 across 16, there's only like 500 or so kids playing in that whole thing, mm-hmm. much like the NRL. So you'd think in your elite competition, if you were the best player in your age group at 18 or 20 playing for Australian schoolboys or whatnot, that the majority of those guys should go on to play some grade. So, yeah. yeah. Sun Tran, is this year's play the ball is a lot slower this year due to the lack of penalties blown up the ruck? I've noticed Cook's running game is limited somewhat compared to last year. Yeah, also they're allowing the ruck to be a little bit slower through contact, I think. So that's where I think you're going to see some adaptations from the referees. I think as the year goes on, there's going to be more pressure. I think it's 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 a Melbourne win or two away from the wrestling debate coming out again. Uh, and, you know, what are we now? The end of round three, between round three and four. So when that comes out in a couple of weeks, everyone can say, I told you so, because I'm telling you, that's not far away from happening. Um, because as soon as they start winning and people start talking about the play the ball being slow, everyone starts talking about Melbourne wrestling. Well, someone And already, every fucking team wrestles. Someone's already brought up on the weekend that their tactics being questionable again. But as we know, everyone's got wrestling coaches, wrestling mats, they all do it. Um, it's just who does it better. Yep. Plain and simple. But I like the way things are. Like you're never going to get the perfect balance. People say, wipe the wrestle out. Well, you can't because players are too big, too powerful, too strong. 
if you go to the rule of a thought that people said that there's no three-man tackles, well, then people like Martin Tapao and even Ferguson, you're not going to be able to get them. Yeah. Two men sometimes is not enough to get somebody on the ground. Uh, like some, some of the things that have been brought up, like the, the, the athlete today, the rugby league player, how powerful, how fast, how strong, how dynamic, that you've got to have things in place to try and stop them or slow them down. And unfortunately, the wrestle's not going anywhere. But at the same time, more fatigue, more ball in play this year. The fact the penalties are staying out of a bit and the ball is flowing and the game is flowing a bit or bringing a bit more fatigue in, I think has helped the game and bring some of the smaller players back in it or back rows or something. There's some guys and some opportunities and some tackle breaks and some opportunities that are coming about due to the ref staying out of a bit more and being a bit more flow. Whether the rucks have slowed down a little bit, the ball is still in play and we're not constantly having kicks for penalty goal or set starts from kicking for touch and having, you know, meetings there at the play the ball or the tap. So I'm happy with the way things are going. Yeah. Casper, why do clubs continue to look at ex-gun players to become first-grade coaches when successful coaches in the game, the most successful, were not necessarily the best players? Just look at Barrett, Bellamy, oh, sorry, Bennett, Bellamy, and Robinson compared to the likes of Mary, uh, obviously that's Paul McGregor, Nathan Brown, and Desi Hasler. Well, Des Hasler did win a couple of comps, but... Yeah, if you want to look at, say, someone like Trent Barrett had a couple of years at Manly, it wasn't the best situation. Brad Fittler was given a gun rooster side for a little bit there. Didn't quite pan out the way. Like, there's been a lot of ex-players get jobs. Um, but the best I just co- think, I, I don't think it means that they're any better or worse a coach. My issue with it is, they, is, my issue is that they get a rails run. Yeah, they don't do an apprenticeship. Yeah. Somebody like an and Anthony... And it's significantly easier to coach NRL players than obviously what it is 15, 16, 17, 18-year-olds. I would argue, 20-year-olds, because they're developing. They they need more coaching. They need more attention. They need more skill work. They need you know, more one-on-one time. They need more feedback. They need more video mm. because they're becoming an NRL player. Yeah. Once they are an NRL player, look, I'm not saying that they, these guys aren't coaching, but they're also full-time, and they've got that's their full-time occupation. So I think for me, as a young developing coach who hasn't played first grade, like I played at uh, an elite level of the game, obviously, but... Not at a first grade level. The thing that shits me is that they just get rails runs ahead of people like myself. Um, but in saying that, to me, I just it, there's no point in me complaining about it. So it, it doesn't sort of get me anywhere. I just I ply my trade. I do the best job I can as a coach who hasn't played first grade, who might not have those little benefits. But um, I guess also you don't have that. Disadvantage, I think, for some of those guys in that they get thrown in too early. Look at Nathan Brown. He got thrown in far too early um, yeah. and got burned. And then he went and did a proper apprenticeship. Did an apprenticeship, overseas. come back a better coach. So for me, it's it's also that you you get away and you look at Anthony Seabold. Played first grade, but not a recognised first grader. I don't think he did play first grade. Did he, he played yeah, in he did. England. He did play okay. first grade, yeah, for Canberra and Brisbane. But not, not a noted first grader. No. But went away, did an apprenticeship, and he's just a far better coach than yeah. any any first year NRL coach well, you also get. got that really good base of being a teacher so he's got yeah, that, that work helps. with group work with young kids development the ability to communicate then turn into a university lecturer so a highly intelligent man yeah. but he captain coached first in Queensland Cup with more elite players then moved into the 20s then was an assistant at three clubs and with the Queensland side so he did a massive apprenticeship to get to the point where he is and that's why you saw the success he had last year Yeah, did he get a good side or a good squad to start off with yes he did but I thought he Overachieved with what he had last year, realistically yeah, squad wise, to get to you know the point he did. But yeah, Brad Millen, he's always got something funny to say every week. Hypothetically, if you swapped Arnie Schwarzenegger and Sylvester Stallone's movie career to the other, 
Whose career is better, Arnold as Rambo, Cliffhanger, or Rocky, or Sylvester as the Terminator, the Predator, Total Recall? We're, we're both Arnie, mate. mate. It's it's not even an argument. Arnold would be terrible as Rocky, and vice versa. You cannot outdo the Terminator. The Terminator. Terminator um, 2, Judgment Day, is one of my favorite movies. Yeah. So, I think you've watched it 150,000 times. I probably have. Brad, I don't know how you come up with this stuff, but I love it. Yeah. Good stuff, buddy. Shane Adard, what are the chances of South Spine lining up for New South Wales, Walker, Reynolds, and Cook? And are you guys all over the 30 nuggets for $10 at KF? What? I haven't heard about 30 for 10. That's 30? A, that's even better. Jesus. Sign me up for that shit, Shane. We might need to stop recording right now. Yeah, I'm going to get 60 nuggets. 60 for some, 20. Get some gravy. Yeah. Get some chips. Uh, Spine line. I don't... Look, Cook, Shane, Cook I think there. on form, uh, they should be considered definitely. But Brad Fittler's spoken very strongly about... Um, what do you call it? Incumbency. Incumbency, that's the word. And the fact that if the player, unless they completely play themselves out of a position... Well, it's going to be harder to get out than it is to get in. Yeah. So I don't know whether I fully agree with that either. Especially with the form of Maloney and Cleary now. Like, if, if, if Origin... They're picking the Origin squad now, I couldn't pick Cleary and Maloney. No, well, I wouldn't be picking Maloney but We're only anyway. three weeks in, so let's just relax and see what plays out. Yeah. Hey, lads, this is from Mike Winkley. Bunker Talk here. How often... Do you think a beaten defender after a trial actually influence a referee by getting up in their face and pleading their case into going upstairs to the bunker rather than the referee making a call then and there? Oh, well, I think just about every player, regardless of whether something happened or not, jumps in the ref's face. It's just up to the ref to ignore that and move on with things. If he was doing his job and paying attention, he should be able to make a call. And he's also got the two touch judges and you know the pocket ref around him to help him make that decision. So yeah. I think they've been better this year, even with blokes jumping in their faces at just making a decision. There's still a few blokes, and again, I don't know their names. Uh, no offence to them, who are some newer referees who I think are still using the bunker just as a safety net and a bit yep. of a fallback. But for the most part, I think decisions have been a lot quicker. Mark Hindle, how many weeks before Ricky puts Bateman at six, moving White to one, leaving Chance in the Mounties? No, um, he'd probably Chance on the wing, wouldn't he? I don't see Chance. I'd move, move Kotrick to one. I would be moving anyone from where and they are move right Chance now. to wing if I was going to make any change. I'd be leaving Chance at one and let him develop. And I put if I was going to make any any other change, I'd be putting um, White into the centres, not into, and I'd be getting rid of Joey Lailua. Yeah, I just well, think his discipline's poor, and the, he needs to kick up the ass. He, he he gets away with it far too often, and these little, uh, I guess, the niggling and the rubbish and the errors and the penalties exist because he just is allowed to stay there and there's no consequence for that behaviour on the field. Well, he's been done for striking this week for that elbow. I think it was to Tim Glasby last week. Is he out? So I think he's got a week. Yeah, well, see, for me, I'd put White in in at six and... uh, Sorry, in at centre and play someone else at at six. Well, Caesar's not going to be back this week, so Sam Williams will keep his job. But I think you've invested your whole... Pre-season and Jack White and playing at six, I'd leave him there. And the way Chance has played the first two weeks, why would you mess with that? Yeah, I think you'd push forward with that. And also, Chance is only I think twenty-three years old now. He come out of the Melbourne's twenty system again. Not going to get a run with Billy Slater, Suli, Ado Car. There went to the Warriors for two years. Did another apprenticeship under Roger Tuivasa-Shek. So whether it be wing or fullback, he's had a pretty good apprenticeship with fullbacks and wingers there to learn from. And he's yeah. a fair player himself, but. At that club there, Rapana, himself, Nick Kotrick, that's a pretty good back three for set starting. Mm-hmm. Whatever way you want to break it, if they did make some kind of move there to rotate it through, someone's going to miss out. But right now, the way he's playing, he stays at one for me. And yep. you, you push forward with six. It's too early to jump off that. Matty Hunt, he's back, Brock. The passenger of the week, you requested it. Yes, he's come back. on. And he said, in my word, what an easy week to start with. Who better of a passenger than Jack Whiten, as we just spoke yeah, about? Good. Multiple errors, a shocking kicking game. What do you reckon, fellas? 
Oh, passenger of the week. Oh, I thought North Queensland as a whole were dreadful. And the Warriors. There's, yeah, a couple of, there's a couple of blokes in the Warriors that were definitely passengers. I'd say Jared Wallace is my passenger of the week. Didn't contribute a whole lot, a couple of people. But, Matty, it's good to have you back. Make sure you're on every week. Yes, we want, We need the passenger. Come Keep on, it coming. Mate. Dave Butler, how excited are you to see a furious Russell Packer on Friday night? If the Panthers really thought they were premiership contenders, why would they take Ivan over Wayne? Well, Russell was certainly, of all people, the most pissed off, I think, that Ivan left because that was the whole sole reason he went to the club. But at the same time, he got a hell of a deal. He set himself up and he's in a good position. So uh, I know he's angry and I'm sure he's going to show up this week. But I, I think he'll move on from that. But Ivan or Wayne, as far as a premiership window, I think like most people at this point in time, I love Wayne Bennett as a coach, but how long has he got left? I think that's the real thing for Penrith. They're mm. looking for a long-term coach. The security there, probably, as we said before, getting Ivan, who did a good job before, built the junior pathways, is going to coach for a lot longer and keeping his son. Uh, whether that, again, everyone's blown up already. Is that the right move? We won't know this early. Yep. But I think it's just a long-term decision. Like, Wayne, Wayne's 70, 71? Like, how, how much longer is he going to coach for? Yeah, I've got no idea. We don't know, do we? So, uh, I think that's plain and simple reason for that decision. Would you agree with that? Mm. Yeah, 100%. Uh, Lee Turner, how is it previous teams that have been caught cheating, uh, the salary cap, have been hit hard with penalties, had to let players go, fine points deducted, and yet it seems the Sharks are going from strength to strength? And then that's, yeah, that, that's got a lot of our listeners going absolutely crazy at one another, as they do. Um, oh, no, it's, it's a hard one. It, I guess the hard one is that the different administrations have, have handed out punishments for all the different salary cap so, scandals. So you're you never going to get You can go into a rabbit hole here. But, I, think, yeah. I think, honestly, just let's move past it. Yeah, I think it's happened. They've taken a bit of the salary cap deduction. I think by mid-year, they're not going to be able to add players anyway. They're still going to have to cut somebody. There's talk. Obviously, that Arva Siamanafunai would move to the Super League, and now there is rumours that your mob are looking at Jason Bakuya. Yeah, with a salary cap room that they've freed up for moving on Morgan Boyle. So, realistically, they're not going to gain much advantage out of it. I think the big question for everybody, the only question I had, is did they win that comp cheating? That's the real Well, question. they were trying to cheat. So, but in that season, apparently they weren't cheating. But did they or didn't they? That's the only real concern I have. Yeah, the other yeah, stuff's yeah. been picked up. They've been punished for it. I'm with Brock. I just want to move past it all. Uh, there's too many negatives in the game. Uh, I'm not trying to walk away from it, obviously. But, yeah, what's done is done. Different administrations, different decisions. Jay Strasberg, how much does losing create rifts in a club? For example, Panthers' last two years start as near faves than a month in. Apparently, the place is in shambles. Uh, I think losing definitely doesn't help. Look at Parramatta last year. Uh, and then you've got infighting with blokes jockeying for position and contracts and culture. L- losing doesn't help anyone. But I think the stronger your club culture is, uh, the stronger the group, the better letters you have, the better personalities, coaching, staff, just everything in general obviously helps you overcome that and keep work through it. Yeah. Uh, is losing, you know, creating any rifts or infighting or problems at Penrith right now? I don't think so. I think they're losing and what's going on there is more a result of off-field stuff. Coaching change late. Bits and pieces there, a bit of a lack of depth, cohesion. Like there's, there's other things that are contributing right now. I don't think it's players, uh, you know, having rifts with each other, having issues. I think yeah. it's a lot of the effect of what's happened in the off season and just so much going on at the club, and vice versa in other places. It's generally stuff behind the scenes you don't see causing problems, not players disliking one another for the most part. Yeah. Andrew Wales, Titans are in big trouble on and off the field. Can they survive? I really hope so. Yeah, I think they will. We're in trouble at the moment because we've got a lot of key players out. If they're struggling, once we get our spine back, uh, the same as what we are right now, I'd be panicking, yeah. Yeah. 
But they play the Sharks and um, South in the last two weeks. I know the, the first round against Canberra wasn't good enough, but I'm willing to give them a pass there because of how late Ash Taylor pulled out uh, and then they lost Tyron Roberts three minutes in. So I, I'm, I'm willing to give them a pass there and I thought they've competed quite well in the last two weeks. Round two against Cronulla, they had three or four tries disallowed early. Mm. You know, they lost by 16 in the end, but look at what Cronulla did to North Queensland on the weekend. Yeah, they certainly need the polish of a pair of halves, which yeah, they don't have they at do. the moment. Riley Jacks is steady. AJ Brimson's off a shoulder Rico and he's more a fullback than he is a six. A good pairing and in particular a better kicking game, which is the big thing that's missing right now, will certainly help out. And yeah. again, for them, too many setup plays, too many one outs because of that fact. Yeah. They've got a makeshift pair of halves right now, or not a makeshift, but they've got a safe pair of halves. They don't have a good pair of halves or an elite half there to take control. Jason Wakowicz, oh, sorry, I probably messed that Wachowicz. up. Jason Wachowicz. Oh, there you go. Had to pronounce it. Sorry, champ. Why are scrums needed seriously? Last week, the scrum clock went out at least a dozen times, but yeah. no penalties. And do you have the refs to tell players where to stand and what to do? Big time waster. Time to go, in my opinion. Well, I don't think a lot of people would argue with you. I think the big argument for a lot of people is it's part of the fabric of the game, this, that, and the other. But honestly, we'd almost be better off just having tap restarts or play the balls at turnovers yeah. because they do waste plenty of time. And again, ball in play and flow of game. If you took the scrums out and just said it was a turnover every single time, um, I get the argument for a set player for scrum, but most teams now just lay it in one out anyway. Mm-hmm. The only time they even think about running an attacking player or a shift off a scrum is inside 20. So... Yeah, something to be considered. Rob Carter, do you think it's a conscious or subconscious thing when players go into a game without being 100% committed and end up losing a game they should be winning, i.e. Tigers and Broncos? Do you think we underestimate the mental side of the game? Yeah, definitely we do. Well, I think that's again, comes down to the club, the coach, mentality of a, of a team. Like You look at somebody like a Melbourne, they generally don't lose games that we know they should win. Yeah. But there's other clubs or cultures that you look at who lose games that they should win because of exactly what you just said. They read, they impress. Young guys are very impressionable, lack a bit of focus, go through the week thinking, oh, yeah, this will kind of just happen. And it comes back to bite them on the ass. So that's down to professionalism, preparation, and getting all those things right. And the better teams, like the Roosters, South, etc., they win those games. And that's something that needs to be developed internally in the club. Andrew Camito says, should Kieran Foran medically retire? Well, I think they've pushed for that before. Um, again, being medically retired means something has to be completely shot. I think he's got a lot of issues, but I don't think he's in a position for them to medically retire him right yet. Mm. I think the only way he's going is if he agrees to retire or they find a way to pay him out off the cap and get that relief, but uh, I don't think they can do that at this point in time. Yep. Brennan Savage, why is Garth Brennan such a flop? Playing Jai Arrow 70 minutes last week when they had no chance of winning... This week, they were in for it for most of the game, and he plays 55 minutes. I, I don't know. I can't answer that question. You'd have to ask Arthur Brennan. I've got no idea. Obviously, his interchange plan might have gone. They might have had an injury the week before. I don't know. And again, we've got a very unhappy Lila at the mention of the Titans box. Oh, she's crook at the moment. I know, but crook. the Titans thing. It's good timing. Almost every time we bring she's it up. An, she's an Eels fan, so of course she's not. Oh, no. What have you done? Uncle Lewis couldn't convince that result, unfortunately. Uh, Dylan Bowie just says Gus Gould. Oh, well, I think we spoke about it. Going over that side of things, champion. Christopher Hill, when do you start pointing fingers at the coach? Cowboys limped into 2017 finals and Stephen Bradbury into the GF. 2018 was appalling and 2019 isn't looking great either. Injury's no excuse. Missing Tamalolo doesn't explain that defensive effort. Yep. Well, I brought up last year that there was no questions really of Paul Green and he got that massive extension and was being looked at by the Broncos. But again, he had a team that whole time that had a younger Thurston, good international forwards. The back line was never that outstanding, but he had a pretty good side. 
Yeah. But in the situations, uh, did the fairy run to the grand final by him a bit of time last year? Mm-hmm. Most definitely. Uh, but this year without Tom Malolo, the Ben Barber thing's definitely hurt as well. So I cut him a little bit of slack. But if they do have a, a poor season again, there will start to be some questions asked of Paul Green as a coach. And pressure as there is in all NRL jobs. And the last one, the fat sportsman says, how good is it to see zero Queensland teams in the top eight? Should make for an interesting Queenslanders-only show. Not that I'll be watching. No, I won't be watching. Nah, you won't be catching me watching Queenslanders-only. But uh, there you go, bro. Some of the questions uh, from the fans from the weekend. And from now the fans? We're into our tips and the gossip. Uh... Brought to you by the Pro Sports Syndicate and Mr. Gossip again. Keep your eyes out for that package. 100% discount for all our fans out there for the Pro Sports Syndicate package. And if you don't get a profit on the package in 2019, you get 2020 for free with the profit guarantee. Look for those promos uh, with Neds and all other betting agencies and the bonus bet deposits and their best bets for the week. Our best bets for the week, I think this is a hard round, Brock. So I don't know if our record's going to get any better. Unfortunately, I think, but, it, I think it will. Uh, I've got a special this week. You've got a special? Yeah. Oh, we'll have to see what happens. But gossip from Mr. Gossip, Joel Thompson is looking to extend his career in the UK. His manager is currently chasing a four-year deal. So pretty good, hefty there. I think at age... Good time to go, I think. Age, played 200 NRL games. Yeah, age 30. I still think he's doing a good job. But if you want a longer-term deal and more money... Cash in now while he's still playing good footy. Yeah, I, I'd be... Probably looking to go over there. If you're Joel Thompson, uh, outstanding career. It's definitely the time. If you if you want more money and more time, if yeah. you're happy to play for another year or two on less money, that option might be there. Who knows? He might last four more years, but it may be less money and shorter term deals. But good offer there. The Tigers, according to Mister Gossip, are looking at extending Farah for another season after they said that this would be his last, and he said so. So I don't know, Brock. Well, yeah, maybe they don't, they don't really have a plan B because Jacob Little's constantly injured. Mm. So unless they can talk him around or he's having second thoughts, I don't know who's behind that there, but um, hookers on the market, if you're going to buy somebody, uh, I'm trying to think right now who'd be available on the market. We'd have have to have a look. Yeah, we would, yeah. Off the top of my head, though, if I was going to go for someone right now, actually, now it's popped my head, it'd still be Reese Robson if I'm the Tigers. Little, apparently, they were making threats they were going to go to the Bulldogs or elsewhere. I'd tell Little to go. Yeah. He's had too many shoulder injuries. If Robbie Farris stays for another year and you get him for a decent price again, you've got no one. I can understand that. And they probably don't have someone in reserve grade right now. But Reese Robson is the junior 20s in New South Wales hooker who's red hot and blocked out by McInnes at the Dragons. Mm-hmm. If they can get him for an alright price, I, that's that's the person on the market I'd be looking at. Whether they can get him, uh, I'm not too sure. Clint Gutherson, according to Mr. Gossip, is not keen to take another pay cut to stay at the Eels, has ordered his manager to show him the money. Apparently, three Sydney clubs are already keen. So, as I said before, I think you'd agree. His football, his age, the way he's playing, the character of the bloke, and if he did take a pay cut last time in the circumstance at the Eels, he certainly won't be taking one this time. Yeah. Well, plain and simple, if you're power, I think that's the one deal you have to get done. It's, yeah, I I, I don't know what to say to that. I agree. agree. Like, he shouldn't be taking a pay cut. No, not if you've already taken one. Absolutely not. So, and again, the way the club's been in the situation, if you were going to stay there, you'd want to get He's paid. He's been their best-performed player. Yeah, you'd want to get paid properly. 100%. Rumours are rife that Api Korosia, as we've mentioned uh, with Farnu, is not keen on working with Des Hasler beyond this season and he's apparently looking to hook up with former coach Ooh. Ivan Cleary. Yeah, well, there you go. So there's a hooking option for the there Panthers, potentially. Yeah, they need one. They, uh, they, Penrith need one. I, 
people are starting to turn a bit on Katoa and Egan. Look, I'm not going to turn on them, but I just don't know whether they're the answer. If they're going to be a hooker in a grand final winning side, I'd be surprised. Yeah. That's all I'm saying. Yep. At this point in time. I'm not saying they can't develop into yeah, and that's the thing. players. I just don't see that. Time, development, yeah. age, uh, Right now, yeah. I, I can't see them being a hooker in a team that wins a competition. That's the, all. The last one here from Mr. Gossip's a bit of a doozy. Nathan Brown, far from safe, and we know that with the contract he's got, but apparently Shane Flanagan has been on the lips of oh, board members. God. The problem here, again, is we don't know how long he's going to be banned for. They, no one knows. It, everyone seems like it's this time around it should be a life ban, but we don't know. Is it going to be 18 months, two years, three? Like how long, if he did apply or a club did apply, will he be actually out of the game for? Yep. So, I, again, why it's all well and good for people to be interested in him. And, again, if this is true, like he's saying, he's not going to be available by next year. There's mm-hmm. no way they're going to bring him back that early. He had 12 months out for the peptide setup thing, let alone second time here in potential... Uh, you know, the cap rumours and anything else is happening operating behind their back. There's no way this is going to be less than at least two or three seasons, I think, before he's considered to come back. But, yeah. That wraps up the gossip. Now on to the tips. And last week, Mr. Gossip, he struck back. He got six. Mm-hmm. He had a good week. We both got four, so we're all deadlocked now on 13. There you go. Not bad. How many did I get? You got four as well. Okay. And I got four. And Gossip got the, the big six out. But looking at this round and ahead and these tips and the odds brought to you by the Pro Sports Syndicate, First game is the Roosters and the Broncos Thursday night football. My birthday boxer. That's a oh, yeah. ripper game oh, to be yeah. watching after a long day at work. We're on a box too. Digging holes and climbing poles. But we are on here a we box. Go. What have we got? Roosters. Cooper Cronk is returning, oh, apparently. But again, we don't know. He's been named the last two weeks and he hasn't played. So if that is the case, Luke Keery will go back to 5'8". Latrell Mitchell back to the centres. Orbison Back into the back row and Angus Crichton back to the bench. Radley will play nine for the injured Jake Friend, so they're going to give him a week off. Lindsay Collin comes back onto the bench. On the Broncos side of things, James Roberts is replaced by Katoni Staggs in the centres. Lodge is back in at prop from his suspension. Pango Jr. back to lock. David Feeder back to the bench. And on the bench, Gehamet Shibasaki is promoted to replace Sean Fensom, who is out. Mm-hmm. So they've got an extra outside back uh, on the bench again. What do you reckon, Boxhead? Do you think Cooper Crump will play this time around and at the SCG, the Roosters, uh, if that is the side against the Broncos, or do you think the Broncos can bounce back? Oh, I've well? got to tip the Roosters. The Broncos just aren't showing enough at the moment, but they would not surprise. It's it's a game I won't be gambling on. Mm. Well, again, I, I really looked at the, the Broncos and thought that week-to-week bounce back and that inconsistency. I don't mind Staggs being there for all. It's really don't. I think he's a great player. He's very, very physical. Uh, the big question... For me here is to like Jared Ray Hargraves that rib injury. Does he actually play? Yep. Tokiaho ended up playing all last week. Does he survive the game? Does Kronk actually play? Um, I've got lots of questions, so I'm really tempted to tip for the upset. But at the same time, I've seen the resilience of the Roosters the last two weeks. Mm, yeah, exactly. So that really makes me question that. So I'm going to stick with the Roosters. But in all honesty, I don't know what the start is on this game. We're about to find out. Uh, but if those players pull out, I probably would bet on this game, but only for that fact to see what I could get as far as a start is concerned. But in this one, the Roosters with the Pro Sports Syndicate and Mr. Gossip, he's on as well. $1.57. The Broncos, $2.40. Uh, the line there is four and a half. And the margin markets on that game are the Roosters, one to 12, 290, 380 for the Broncos, 13 plus for the Roosters, 285, 650 for the Broncos. The second game there, the Warriors and the Titans for the six o'clock Friday game. Not the prettiest of games. Uh, the changes there, the Warriors, they have a couple of changes. 
Adam Kieran has been dropped. Chanel Harris Tavita gets his first start at halfback. Isaac Luke is out with a hamstring injury. Carl Lawton comes in. Armour has been elevated to start at the expense of Bunty Fowl, who's on the bench. And Liggy Sow is now on the bench as well. But for the Titans, most importantly, Ash Taylor and Tyron Roberts, both named to return in the halves. And as far as the Ford pack is concerned, uh, I think AJ Brimson goes to the bench. Riley Jacks is out. Philip Sammy and Max King are out. And Moiaki Fotuaka is back on the bench. No, I tip the Titans. I'm tipping the Titans as well. Uh, purely because the halves are in and what I saw last week. I do like Tavita Harris, but it was more the defense and the way the middle played last week. And if the Titans middle can do their job, Wallace, James, uh, Arrow, etc., well, then I think you know they should do enough damage in there with Rain, the halves backing in, in the side to kick and control themselves to a win. Plus, they have to win. Well, they're getting to that point, aren't they? They're yeah. the only team who hasn't had a win. There's a big ask. Uh, he's bulked up his bench. Shannon Boyd's gone back to the bench with Fotoaka. Keegan Hipgrave says there's a lot more aggression and size off the bench this week. Uh, expect a better result, you'd hope, especially with the halves being back in. But Mr. Gossip, he's gone on the Warriors, so he's gone the opposite way. And with the Pro Sports Syndicate, $1.55 for the Warriors, two forty five for the Titans. Minus 4.5 is the line. 1 to 12 Warriors, two eighty five three seventy for the Titans. 13 plus Warriors, $3.625 for the Titans. Panthers, Tigers, Friday Night Football, in the riff, uh, as far as the Panthers are concerned, patience has stayed. Not a complete overhaul, but Regan Campbell-Gillard is named to start. Leota back to the bench. Kick out and Yo are back in the back row, which to me is a massive in, having those two back in, uh, and especially kick out to help on that edge, damaging-wise, and set starting and going forward. Fisher-Harris back to lock and drop to the bench is Harme Sele and Winterstein. So I think all round again, a better 17. For the Tigers, Benji Marshall is out. Josh Reynolds is in the halves to partner Luke Brooks, and they've made no other changes given their first two rounds. Panthers, for me, have to win this game. Panthers. Plain and simple. So I'm going the Panthers. I think the Tigers will give them all they can handle. Panthers are my special of the week. You reckon? I think they'll, they'll the come back. out. Yeah, I think they'll come out. and Big response. And uh, they'll, they'll want to, they'll really want to put a, put a good performance in. And I think Ivan... The players will be motivated to to beat the Tigers for Ivan, but the Tigers are going to be just as motivated. Yeah, I think um, so. Short turnaround for the Tigers as well. Sunday afternoon to a Friday night game, so um, sometimes it's better just to get straight back out on the field, isn't it? After yep. that type of performance, but well, Ryan Madison said as much today that short turnarounds to him, he thinks a good a, a good yeah. thing, especially after the way things went down on Sunday. Uh, but Mr. Gossip here agrees. He's also on the Panthers clean sweep with the Pro Sports Syndicate, a dollar fifty eight for the Panthers. 235 for the Tigers, minus four the line. 1 to 12 Panthers, 285, 350 the Tigers. 13 plus the Panthers, 315. And 13 plus for the Tigers, 625. The Eagles versus South. A lot more interest in this game given Tom Javorovic is back and the way they played last week. And obviously getting Adam Fanua Blake back into their lineup as well. But for them, the only change they have is Brendan Elliott, who comes into the centres for Moses Sully, who's been dropped for disciplinary reasons again. So that's. Not a good sign for Moses. Mm. Uh, had plenty of troubles, as we know, the last couple of years and calmed things down last year, but another issue, not good. But for the Bunnies, two big changes. Greg Inglis is back to cover straight away for Braden Burns. That's massive. And they get George Burgess back. So they've got that extra pop they've been lacking in their starting lineup. Gagai has moved to right center, so GI can play on the left to cover for Burns. Uh, and then they've got Burgess to start up front with his twin brother, Tom. Tavita Tatola back to the bench, who was great last week, pushing out. Reese Kennedy, who I forgot to say, congratulations. Third of the Kennedy brothers, uh, friends of ours, who made his debut on the weekend for South Sydney. Massive. Got his first game after a couple of years of persistence again there. So uh, 
Uh, Corey Allen also played his first game last week. Thought he was pretty solid. He stays on that other wing. So a couple of big bodies on that side, on the on the flanks. But uh, as good as I thought Manly were, I'll, I'll stick with Souths. I think they know they need to Souths. improve. Question marks over Cody Walker, though, concern me because their backup halves in Dean Hawkins and Connor Tracy haven't been playing cut the last few weeks. They've also been injured. And Adam Dwayhe, who was a great replacement last week, he's uh, last year he's still not healthy from his ACL. Yeah. So if that happens, John Sutton would likely be the one you'd think that would go in there uh, and they'd probably call Reese back up onto the bench to have an extra middle. But, yeah, sticking with Seahs in that one. Mr. Gossip, he agrees with the Pro Sports Syndicate. $1. fifty favourite us. Seahs, two sixty for Manly. Five and a half is the line. One to 12, 290 Seahs, 380 Manly. 13 plus, 285 Seahs, 650 for Manly. Cowboys, Raiders up there in North Queensland. The Cowboys, no panic shown from Paul Green at all. One to 17, same as last week. Uh, as far as the Raiders are concerned, Ricky Stewart, no need to make any changes either. Aiden Caesar is expected to be available in round five for selection, but this week not considered. But in their extended bench, Joseph Depine, who only broke his thumb last week, is already back in the 18 jersey. So he may be a late inclusion, uh, but no changes there. Brock, oh, I think they need to respond this week, but from what I saw last week and the Raiders just being a little rugged, I know they're a bit clunky. I'm going to tip the Raiders to upset them up there. No, I'm going to tip the Cowboys. Fair enough. What, what, what makes you think? Is no it just idea. the two I weeks? Just and they, they both just didn't convince me. I'll go with the home team. That's the only method I have to my madness. Well, Mr. Gossip, he's also gone with the Raiders and with the Pro Sports Syndicate. It's a pick game. Both teams are ninety. The line is minus one to the Cowboys because of the home side. Both sides 1-12, to 290. Both sides 13 plus at 460. This next game, I think, will be a cracker, but also hard uh, due to a couple of injuries last week. But the Eels versus the Sharks at ANZ Stadium. Uh, I think this would be a, a, a very good game. Two gritty sides. But the Eels, Dylan Brown is out. That hurts. He's got a back wow. injury. His place is taken by Jamin Salmon, who we saw a little bit of the back in the last year. A Sharks junior, yeah. nonetheless, uh, and a very talented player. The only other change to the team that lost last week is Tepai Moroa is back to start at lock with Terrapro dropping to the bench. For the Sharks, we know Dugan moves to fullback for Moylan. Bronson Sherry debut at right centre, and that's the only change they've got there. Uh, I'm going to stick with the Sharks, but I do think that Matt Moylan move at fullback will hurt them as far as creativity is concerned. But if they make errors and get caught in a bit of a dogfight here, I think the Eels have got the ability this year with their forward pack to get involved in that dogfight. Absolutely. So I think this will be a real gritty game. I'm looking forward to it. Oh, hard one. Hard one. I'll go with the Sharks, but again, Eels wouldn't surprise. No. And Mr. Gossip, he agrees. Clean sweep there and a close one with the Pro Sports Syndicate. $1.95 for the Eels, one eighty-five for the Sharks. Minus one the line in favour of the Sharks. 1 to 12, 290, Cronulla, 305 for Para, 13 plus the Sharks, 433, 475 for the Eels. Storm, Dogs, now Kieran Foran is out for the Dogs. That certainly doesn't help their cause. Jack Cogger gets a call up to partner uh, Lachlan Lewis in that setup there. Uh, huge ask Sunday afternoon football going back down uh, to Melbourne for this game. And Reese Martin's been named to start, and Adam Elliott will come off the bench. But on the Melbourne side of things, no surprise, unchanged. And I don't think we're going to argue about this one. No, storm. you know, correct. And gossips on the storm, and I'm on the storm. Dollar thirty again. The, the efforts there, but uh, this is the different different team. Hard place to go play. Uh, yeah, at home against the Melbourne Storm, and they are a dollar thirteen with the Pro Sports Syndicate. Six dollars for the Dogs, minus sixteen and a half as a line. So if you think the Dogs are going to be competitive. 
Hopefully they are. There's a good start for you there. One to twelve the storm, three fifteen, eight dollars for the dogs, thirteen plus for the storm, one sixty, twenty-one for the dogs. Uh, and the last game of the round. One I'm actually really looking forward to because it's moving time. It is the Knights versus the Dragons. The Dragons bouncing back last week and Newcastle finally switching that spine back to where it is. And it's in Newcastle, yeah. which is always a great place to watch football and a great crowd. But Callum Ponger, as we know, he's gone back to fullback. Mason Leno is caught up at 5'8". Kurt Mann is back to the bench. Glasby goes to prop for Locke in a straight swap for Mitch Barnett. And Daniel Safidi, from his knee injury, he returns after getting hurt round one, and James Garvey is out of the side. Uh, so they've had a bit of a reshuffle there, but most importantly, Ponga is back to fullback for the Dragons. Just the one change, obviously, with Gareth Woodop out, out for the season. Matt Dufty is back at fullback, but Tyson Brazell has been named in Jersey 18. So wow. possibility that he comes back this weekend, uh, a hard one, I think, to tip Brock. Again, given we don't know if Frizzell's going to play. Uh, Dufty getting his first game, Callum Ponga getting his first game, but I'm uh, I'm going to tip the upset. I'm going to go with the Dragons away from home. I'm going to go. Uh, I'm going to go Newcastle again. I think it's a must win for them if they're realistic about making the eight. So there you go. Uh, I, I think the Just, again, it's a hard game. How, oh. how the hell do you know how to pick who to pick in this game? Well, again, another spine change because Dufty actually starts his first real game at fullback for the season. Yeah. So they've got to work on that. Does the forward pack respond the same way? I hope they do, and that's mainly what's got me leaning towards the Dragons. If their mm. forwards do the job they did last week with the way Newcastle's forward pack has been a bit hit and miss so far, I think that will give them hopefully an opportunity for Ben Hunt and Corey Norman to do what they need to do. But uh, as I said before we kick this one off, I don't think there's many easy ones to tip. The only one I was really sold on was obviously the Storm game. Yeah. I think everyone I think every other game, and I'll even throw in the Manly Souths game, is hard to pick. Because Manly at Brookvale, with the way they played last week, if they move the football around or South have any drums with Cody Walker or something goes wrong there, like it wouldn't surprise me. The only real game I honestly looked at and thought this could only go one way is the Melbourne Dogs game, especially now Foreign's out. So really difficult round, but you're on the Knights. Gossips followed me onto the Dragons and the Pro Sports Syndicate. Newcastle, $1.75 favourites at home. 208 for the Dragons. Minus two is the line. 1 to 12 Newcastle, 283 20. For the Dragons, 13 plus Newcastle, 370, 575 for the Dragons. And best bet, mate, you, you reckon the Panthers? Yeah. Are you a special on the Panthers this week? They're a special. Special. How so? Yeah, 1 to 12. Know. I don't know how I'm going to. I'm going to go. Um, I think the Titans just head to head. That'll be my first bet. Um, so Titans at 245 to win. Yeah. Um, and I'll go. I'll say the Panthers 13 plus on Friday night. And your second bet, the Penny Panthers at 3.15 to win 13 plus. Well, I'm going to go the Dragons, uh, 1 to 12 to beat Newcastle, which is 3.20. Difficult game there, but if they get away with it, I think it'll be in a close one. And second bet. Uh, this is hard. This is hard. I, I I think I like the Titans as well, to be honest. Yeah. I really do. I think I like the Titans as well. Um, I'm going to go the Titans 1-12. to 12. So I'm going to follow you in there, but I'm going to go for a bit more juice off the bone. So at 1-12, to 3-70. 
So a, a bit less research this week. Hopefully that pays off for us because the last few weeks I've actually thought about it a little bit and I've only gone two from six. Hopefully you get your first one, but your best bets, head-to-head Titans, $2.45, Penner 13 plus 3.15. I've taken the Dragons 1-12 to away from home, $3.20, and the Titans away from home, 1-12, 3.70. Pretty yeah. bit more beef. So fingers crossed we can get the job done there. But there's all our tips and gossip brought to you by the Pro Sports Syndicate. As we said before, keep your eyes out for the package. That $100 discount, and if you don't get a profit return for the year, you get 2020 for free. Look for the promo links, the best bet offers, doing very, very well. The boys at the Pro Sports Syndicate. Obviously, a big thank you to Penrith Solar Center. Help your back pocket. Support yourself in the summertime and all year round by having solar. It's the way of the future. It's one of the best things you could invest in. Penrith Solar Center, www.penrithsolarcenter.com and call them on 1800-30-29-20. But that's us for another week, Boxhead. It is. Reviews, What's fan questions, set of six. It is definitely time to eat in depth as always. Uh, and we look forward to another outstanding weekend of footy. But for now, enjoy your weekend and enjoy your rugby league. Bring it on. Give us more. Give us more. Where are you going? Where are you, what, 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 what's going on here? Is that it? Is that it? Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.